0: This is Chris
1: Mooneyham of Five Ghosts, and you're listening to 11 O'Cock Comics. Oh, boy. We're going to need that in. This is Chris Mooneyham of Five Ghosts, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Uh,
2: Something is conspicuously absent from this episode.
3: Yep, pouring, pouring one out for our homie who's not here anymore. It's terrible. It is. Weather is a bitch. Shout out to uh, King Dap David David Price, our third co-host. He is not here tonight due to uh, the horrible electrical infrastructure in Putnam Valley, New York.
2: Plagued by the weather, it's terrible. But it's kind of
3: lucky, kind of lucky for us that we that we had had set up tonight what we have set up it's true so it's not just me and you
2: right Monology. but it would have been fun
3: but have you and i ever done an episode just no times?
2: no we haven't
3: in 10 years we've never done that
2: no i'm kind of scared <laughs> you don't like me <laughs> well there's that and then you know we don't read the same books
3: we read so many of the <laughs> same books that's ridiculous
2: <laughs> no i would love to do an episode with just you
3: well we'll do we'll make it happen
2: okay but that will be salty er if we do that
3: decade two'll
2: do it okay, but we have guests this week, so that's yeah. a good thing, not yes. one, but two that's true two two great tastes that taste great together. Yes, that was kind of dirty i didn't intend it mm-hmm. to be And who are you? Yes, all right, the drums have stopped, and it's eleven o'clock comics episode five hundred and forty one. Wow, and I am Vince B.
3: Indeed you are, and uh, I am not David Price. I am Valofax.
2: <laughs> no, you're not Valofax. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And unfortunately, if you didn't hear our little uh, banter before with all the drums, Dapp cannot be here this week because he's having problems with power outages. As in he doesn't have any, so uh we managed to uh scrape up two very, very important people, and Jason's gonna tell you who they are
3: it's true and and when we say two very important people, we really mean one very important person, and then this other guy, no, just kidding you gotta um, stop
2: you know after that issue number one you got, I think you gotta stop dumping on him because he did no a we, do. Superb we do we do job so
3: so the uh our guests tonight are um, a returning guest. And, and actually, he may not know this, but uh, he is the first professional that ever acknowledged to me that our show existed. It was like five episodes in and we were at the first New York Comic Con and we were chatting him up because we knew him. And he said, oh, hey, I listened to your podcast. It's, it's, it's uh, pretty good. And that was almost 10 years ago.
4: Wow.
3: Uh, he he is uh, currently the uh, the the artist on uh, a little book called Venom, which um, I'll toot their horn. Um, just It was just announced by Marvel that uh, the first issue, which we did discuss last week, um, sold 200,000 copies. Yes, you heard me, 200,000 copies, and is going back, needless to say, for a second printing. Um, but he, you also know him as uh, one of, I'd say, it's fair to say, one of Marvel's most stalwart uh artists for god going on a decade now um and he has probably drawn uh the characters in the spider-verse more than just about anybody um of his generation i think it's fair to say between uh this between venom and amazing spider-man renew your vows and uh uh and and of course uh he did a bunch of uh books prior to that that were all related to the spidey titles He's also done Wolverine. He's done. Uh, he's done She Hulk. Yes. He's done the Avengers. He is Mister Ryan Stegman.
1: Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yes, uh, sir. Long, first time, long time.
3: Yeah, yeah, You've been on the show before.
1: I know. Yes. <laughs> so Many maybe time.
3: Seven, yeah. Many times, times, long long time.
1: Long time. Yeah. There you
3: go. And and joining joining us is his partner in crime on the aforementioned blockbuster that is Venom. Uh, And and someone that we have – his ears hopefully have been burning because we have been talking about him quite a lot, especially in the last year. But um, we first came to know this gentleman's work, uh, although we didn't know him personally, way back uh, in – I think it was four years ago, 2014, if I'm not mistaken, on a little book called Ghost Fleet, which our long-term listeners know as the book that uh, when we first discovered it was also our entree into – uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, who has who uh, now become a good buddy and, and uh, multiple-time guest on the show. Uh, he has since exploded onto the scene, um, and I think it's fair to say he is now one of Marvel's top go-to writers. In fact, he has uh, pulled himself away very graciously to do the show tonight from uh, the current Marvel creative retreat. Uh, and He also has been kicking ass on his own creator-owned titles, um, including God Country and Baby Teeth. And redneck, which I just got caught up on in anticipation of his appearance, he is everyone's favorite new writer, Mister Donny Cates.
0: Hey, everybody!
3: Welcome to the show. Awesome.
0: Hey, it, it's, it's so thank you guys for having me. I wanted to <clears throat> um, I wanted to say something really quick. I think maybe a lot of people who listen to your show assume that. Uh, you guys like edit this thing, and you guys do your banter up, up up top, and then you like edit in the interviews. But I want everyone to know that we all had to sit through that whole thing. Twice we, just so you know, we
2: we only do that talk about
0: power outages.
2: <laughs> we, and he's at the Marvel Donnie, retreat. That's amazing. <laughs> you should
3: feel loved, Donnie, because we only do that for artists that we Absolute
0: Nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> we
3: we only we only do that for people
2: we consider friends. It's true.
0: Well, uh, I, it, it's, it's, this is a great way to start a beautiful friendship.
2: Awesome. And you know what's a great way to get books <laughs> by both, uh, Ryan Stegman and Donnie Cates? Discount comic I, book I, service. I, I yes. Discount comic oh, yeah. book service, dcbservice.com, where you can get all your books, get them fast, get them shipped right to your door, including in the current previews catalog. Mark this down. Written by some dude named Donnie Cates. With art by Dylan Burnett. Cover art by Jeff Shaw. It is the Cosmic Ghost Rider. I am so stoked for this book. Regular price is three ninety nine. dollars Your price, $1.99. That's 50% off. There's no reason not to order it. DCBService.com. Keeping it short this week. Marvel Retreat. Boom. Yes. <laughs>
3: nice. Well, gentlemen, welcome welcome and and let me say i have to say one of the funniest things ever in uh, in relation to now that we've seen the numbers for number one is um you know donnie you know we've been chatting for a bit trying to, to get you on find a time um and then ryan hit me up and was like hey you know i know you've offered having me back on the show like let's do it why don't we do it before issue number two's final order cutoff and i was like absolutely let's do it and you know i can see that you'd, you'd want to come on our show to make sure that the numbers are tight and right for number two because you could use the boost <laughs> yeah you absolutely. Use the boost. So, so guys, let's be let's let's start with. I mean, two hundred thousand copies. Now, um, for our, for our listeners who don't pay attention to the numbers, that's big numbers. It is unusual in today's Diamond Direct market for uh, a single issue to sell more than a hundred thousand copies. That is highly unusual in today's market, um, and uh, so needless to say, that is a smash hit. Um, I'm I'm gonna even give you guys a pass for the fact that you outsold Domino Number One because that I was rooting <laughs> for that, but that's okay. I'll get past it. Heaven um, forbid. But uh, how, how? What was your guys' reaction when you found out the news?
0: Well, it wasn't as high as we wanted. <laughs> um, uh, it was, you know, disappointment's a strong word. <laughs> um, but you know, we were hoping for a millie. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. But and you know, like,
3: Jim Lee style. It,
0: I mean, a quarter of a milli is great, right? It's a great base. It's a great place to start. It's a starting point. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 all bullshit aside, um, that was our like uh, me and Ryan. Me and Ryan talk almost every day, um, and that was our kind of our, our little mantra as we were working on the first issue and the subsequent issues and everything. Um, was uh, it's going to sell a million copies, bro? It's Going to sell a million copies. But I think secretly both of us were you know, obviously all creators I think, no matter how big you get or how big the book is or the project is, you worry. You know, you get stressed out. And then I think I think I can speak for Ryan that when when we when we finally got the final numbers on it, we were both uh blown away. I mean yeah. just absolutely uh surreal and um I don't know, huge. I I, I Ryan had to talk me down from because we got those numbers before the first issue came out. Um, oh, nice. And, and my immediate thing is I called Ryan and I told him, and he was like, why aren't you screaming happy? And I was like, dude, what if they hate it? Like, <laughs> what if everybody hates it? What if it's the most ordered thing that I've ever written and now everyone hates it? Um, so I think I'm able to, now that you know, it's, it's out and, and, and the Venom diehards and the new fans all seem to really dig it, um yeah i'm really really proud of it i'm I'm really proud of the work that that we've done and how people have shown up for it
1: yeah i i like he said we would we would text each other that million copies bro million copies but honestly i i thought it was a joke to me and i would have been if he would have called and said hey we sold 110 110,000." i would have been like holy shit you know but when he said you know, 200 and, you know, 200 plus or whatever. I was just like, I kind of thought he was joking. <laughs> I thought Venom doesn't sell 200,000 copies. So it's pretty yeah.
3: awesome. Well, listen, well-deserved. Um, you know, I, I I don't know that I would say, um, like, I'm a crazy Venom fan, like, like by, by nature, and I thought the issue was, was awesome. I really thought you guys knocked Thank out you. of the park and, and reeled me in. Um, Thank you. Yeah, for sure.
4: Yeah, uh,
2: I just so, got to get something out of the way real quick. Ahead. Yeah, I've been a fan of Ryan's work for a long time. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you always do a great job, but this is by far the best you have ever looked, in my opinion.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I I, I, I attribute that a lot to. Uh, well, uh, you know, CB came in uh, as editor in chief, and one of the things that he told me was he was like. I think that you should try just being a penciler, and that's kind of like a tough pill to swallow for an egomaniac like myself. Because I'm like, I, I think I'm a pretty good anchor, what, you know. And uh, they were like, we'll find you a really good anchor, and we'll try that. And then, you know, they got me J.P. Mayer, who I'd never heard of, and I was kind of wary of it and kind of freaking out. And then he started turning in stuff, and once I saw it, I was like, now I, I felt like I could open up everything that I had been trying to do and – uh He does such an amazing job, and uh I think that like informs the way that I draw things now, where uh i I used to when I was thinking myself, you know you have to figure out a way to get things done faster sometimes, so I don't have to do that now because now I just leave all the the that hard shit that I would have not taken the time on to him, and I can focus on the other things so yeah, I got really lucky, especially in Frank Martin, too. Like, it's just kind of a perfect marriage of styles.
2: Right. I mean, there are a number, to my eyes, there are a number of showpieces in this book. The uh-huh. the uh, the alleyway with the guns leading in, which I believe is the second uh, print cover, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. you know, yeah. The uh, the truck scene with the double-page splat. I mean, that is a great spread. But the one panel I keep going back to and and I think it's it's by far one of the best panels you have ever illustrated is the one where Eddie's popping the pills and he looks in the cracked mirror mm-hmm. and and you yeah. get you get right. the the frosted hazy reflection and the the crisp foreground like that panel is stellar. I just keep Thank looking you. at it and I'm trying to I I, I said to myself, it's got to be Frank. Right, it's got to be Frank Martin with the color. <laughs> but, uh, No, it's just it's impeccable, and I'm not, I'm not you know no bullshit at all. This issue you just you. F- I even texted you. I Twitter I sent you a direct message on the Twitter yeah. right when I was done reading it because I thought like holy shit, he leveled up again.
3: Yeah, well, what yeah, did we think- say? What did I say to you on the show? I said I said I. I not that Ryan's ego needs the boost, but I think it's it's his best work ever.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, I, I, another thing, I think that Donnie's a particularly visual writer. Like, mm-hmm. he comes at it from, uh, he, he has, he, he comes at it, he writes for visuals. So, yeah, all that stuff. I fe- I feel like when I read his scripts, I can just see it. And that's right. always a huge plus, too. So, you know, I kind of get a running start on everything that I draw.
2: That makes like sense. I, I gotta throw Donnie some love too, because mm-hmm. as a relatively <laughs> new writer, you're, I'm trying to perceive your voice. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, 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 you throw different appellations at different writers. Like, Grant Morrison's the weird guy, right? Because he gets into topics that aren't very widespread. But you, so far, you're the smart guy. I mean, we, re- <laughs> Thanos is really smart, but there's one thing in this issue that made me sit up and go, yes, like a bunch of times. And that's Rex Strickland when he was talking to Eddie and, yeah. he's, and he's like, okay, wise ass, what's the symbiote's name? And Eddie's like, what? What do you mean his name? And he's like, okay. Um, what temperature does it like? Where does it come from? Like these are all questions that I would ask if I had a living thing bonded to me especially an alien thing like and then the big one do you age when you wear it i'm like holy shit why has no one done this before <laughs> that's a great scene well
0: i mean oh uh, well thank you i mean I'll, to be completely honest that's all um i was talking to ryan about this like <clears throat> how surreal it is to be writing this character because venom is is one of it's not my favorite marvel the guy that a character that's gunning for as soon as I got there. I was like, look, if it ever comes up, you know, I'm not trying to be a predatory or anything, but if you know, if Costa's run comes to a close while while I'm here, I'd love to throw my, my hat in the ring. I mean, I was doing that back when I first got Strange and I first got Thanos. I, I wanted this. And and it, partly because I grew up reading Venom and and learned how to read on Spider Man comics with Venom I enemy. Mean, he's a real big reason why I'm even here. And all those that are in there, those are questions I had, I was like three, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and like me, I have like, stories story of the, of the kind of the, um, the missing pieces of the story, right? Like Eddie, Eddie and the symbiote are 30 years old and there's still so much that we don't know. And that as a writer is the, is the greatest gift of all. And the, the most surreal part of this project is realizing that when I was nine years old and I had all these questions about venom that it would eventually <laughs> by me. <laughs> that is so like, it's so incredibly weird. And, and so everything that Rex is saying, um, and it's a bit in at the beginning of issue two as well, um, where we kind of get the inverse about Eddie as a person um, this, we raise a lot of questions. Um, these are the kind of the thesis statements of Ryan and I's entire run. Um, we're going to, you know, the the run deals with a lot of um, mythology and background and motivations, you know, um, questions on the symbiote side are kind of laid out in issue one. And, you know, in the, in the issue two, I'm not going to spoil you, again, but so it goes a long way towards um, one of the things I wanted to explore was um, what, kind of, what kind of dude is Eddie that he never asks these things? <laughs> right. You know? Right. Like, what, right. what kind of a human being gets this symbiote on them and is just like, dope, let's be a cool monster. <laughs> you know? Like, everyone else who has ever worn a symbiote was terrified of it because it's terrifying. It's symbiote black rain from space. And everyone else who has ever wanted has been terrified, but Eddie glossed over that because he was on a mission to hurt Peter. And so, you know, Ryan and I wanted to make Eddie afraid of his own shadow again and explore why he ha- why he hasn't been up until now.
3: So with Donnie, I mean, with um you know, you mentioned obviously there's a character that meant something to you when you were coming up. Um, did you like was this an opportunity where um you know, you started doing a little work for Marvel and then they kind of said, all right, well, you know, what, what characters would you like to take a spin on? Um, Just, just wondering how, how it came to be that you got uh, to, to, to do this book. And then um, it seems obviously like you and Ryan are, uh, are fast friends here, but uh, you know, Ryan being a a former young gun and a Marvel stalwart, did you guys get put together by CP, or, or did you guys sort of uh, meet uh, in other ways and say, it'd be great if we could work together at some point? Just curious how this all came together.
0: Ryan and I have known each other for a while, but not in any kind of like we've never we never like hung out. We were we ran the same circles like, you know, if there was a, a con and there's people, all the creators hang out at the bar, I would see Ryan and his wife and, and we would have you know, friends and everything. But we never we never had a friendship really until Venom. And then, um, yeah, it, it was Devin, who's our editor, and Nick Lowe. Um, talking to me about wh- when I got the book and saying, you know, what do you think about Ryan? And I was like, that's dope. Let's do that. And then Ryan and I just get getting on the phone. Um, and actually before Ryan accepted the gig, um, I, you know, I can kind of uh, credit it to CB because CB was like, Hey man, you know, Ryan has a few other offers for books and everything. You know, it might help if you want, call him and like tell him what the story is. And so I did. And I, I called Ryan and I, mean I, I could I could tell right away that if Ryan chose to do it, we we're going to have a good time because we had really similar um, storytelling aesthetics. Like the things that got me excited about the story when I was telling the story to Ryan, he would go like, "Oh man, yeah, that's dope." Like I mean, we were we were we were hitting it off really fast. Um, and really, I think that I mean I can I can talk about I mean how I got the book was 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 not an exciting story. I. They all knew that I wanted it. I'm under contract. I have to be on a certain amount of books a month. Um, mm-hmm. Costa's run was coming to a close. Thanos did really well for them. They wanted to put me on something that I could like sit down on and it be like like uh, I, I could actually you know do more than a mini or fourteen issues. Like it was strange. They wanted to give me something that was a long run, and it, everything kind of conspired to where it was found. Um, but for the me and Ryan of it all, um, you know, I, I, I personally think as a guy who, who, I I used to run a bunch of comic book stores and have been a diehard comic book fan my entire life. I still read the comics. I think that fans uh, can instinctually tell and react to when they feel that creators are having fun and that are locked in with each other. And I think that that has been a massive part of this book's success. I think they can tell from from Ryan's work in the book and from Ryan's Twitter feed and from me and Ryan's relationship really working together as uh, as like kind of a gang. I mean, honestly, like it feels like a gang, like we're the Venom gang. And we are on on Twitter getting out there and 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 you know, throwing down challenges and being like you know, our gang is cool. than yours. And, you know, we're, <laughs> we, we're really, we're a really tight team. And I think it shows in the work because we're all excited. This is, I think, t- from from the very top in, in, like, editorial, all the way down to the entire line, everyone in this book is passionate about it. Everyone is like, this is dope. Let's do this. Let's make this the greatest run on this character of all time. Um, and I think fans can always tell.
2: Nice. And it's a funny so, book, too. Yeah. In, in, in spot. The, the one uh, part that I just absolutely loved was you used one, one of my all-time favorite Spider-Man villains, the Grizzly. Oh, a, Jack-
0: a, oh the
4: Grizzly. The <laughs> Grizzly. Now
2: I love the Grizzly. And not only does the Grizzly appear, but he tells Jack-O-Lantern that his costume is stupid. Like, yeah, the, the Grizzly. the
0: ball's on Grizzly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the ball's on Grizzly.
2: <laughs> Guys in a bear you know, costume. Funny.
0: Okay. That's a perfect example of Ryan and I working together as well as we do because no no bullshit in the script. If you were to read my script for Venom 1, I had Jack in there, but I literally just said, hey, I don't know which Spidey villains are available, so Ryan, do whatever you want here. Nick Lowe, Devin, give us a list of who we can use. And they sent us a big list, and Ryan chose Grizzly. And nice. chose because that, Because that – because that joke is a billion times better if it's the grizzly saying. It. And right like that's sure just, that's just little things that like if Ryan hadn't done that, maybe that that scene probably wouldn't have suffered from it, but it elevates it into a new a new thing if mm-hmm. the artist is thinking and enjoying it and and it is and is like improvising in the same key, you know
2: yep, sure, I agree, I agree, yep.
0: You know, uh, Ryan, you mentioned
3: that you know when you got when your work because you've worked with a bunch of different writers, obviously at this point, tons. I don't right. even know how many, but um, you know, you mentioned that, that Donny sort of writes visually, and, and I presume that's that's part because Donny, you went to SCAD, right? So like you have a background in illustration, yeah. yeah, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yes, totally. And I I also subscribe to the motto of um, unleash the beast. You know, I I I, I mean, I, I did a book called Ghostly, which you guys talked about, in which. I was just like, dude, it's Daniel Warren Johnson. At the time, no one had ever heard of Dan. No one, no one had ever heard of Daniel. But I was like, dude, like, look, the story's not gonna suffer from us doing this. So, like, let's let's introduce the world to Daniel Warren Johnson. Like, let's do 14 double split page slashes of truck fights yes. and just like show off. I mean, I think that I that comes from me being a retailer of just like reading things and being like, yo, you have this enormous artist on this book, like. You're just gonna do talky things at a bar, like that's fine, like, that's totally fine. But unleash the beast, like <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny that Venom straight up gets into a fight with the Ghost Fleet in the first issue.
4: Yeah, something like, I
0: didn't realize until it came out and, and Twitter exploded at me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
3: Donnie, you know you're like uh, an adopted member of the Felix Comic Art family at this point because you've you've been you've done books with with Daniel with Ryan. With Jeff Shaw, I mean, multiple books with Jeff. It's like, uh, it's like pretty much anyone you work with is a is like destined for yeah. Felix comic uh, art fandom or fame.
0: i well, it, it, it's it's funny. Ryan's actually the first dude that was with Felix before, um, because I, yeah. I, I I I was on a on a string of artists in a row that I just went to Felix when they started on the book. I would ask my artists because I'm friends with all those dudes. I I I get along with artists sometimes better than I do with writers because I grew up mm-hmm. with them um and so I would ask them like hey man you got a rep because you're because you could be making a lot of money and so I became an art dealer's dealer I just like you know sending them sending them good dude stuff. but yeah the Felix crew is dope and anytime I have a new project I just um it, it, it's not uncommon for me to shoot an email at Felix and say hey what's going on with your dude Who, who's doing what you know
4: yeah for sure
3: so so, Ryan, you you had mentioned, and I wanted to get back to this because it's uh, again knowing your career from jump all the way back to your Marcosia days. Um, uh-huh. JP Meyer, like you said, I have to say, you know, I feel like Vince and I and David, like we've got a pretty good handle on the industry. Like I feel like there's not too many too many people that are coming up even that we don't know about even before they blow up. And so I got to say, I I didn't know the name, I, I didn't know J, JP Meyer until uh, I saw that he was your your anchor. And I'm, I mean, you've already mentioned it, but I was very intrigued by that because. Like it's one thing, like you said, for you to decide to use an inker, but it's another thing for it to be someone that i I wasn't familiar with, so uh
1: yeah, no that that all credit to Ricky Purden for that one. he's the you know talent management guy at marvel and and uh I had put out a list of guys, and pretty much all of them were at d c so they knew what type of ar- inker I wanted, and you know like Danny Mickey and glapian and uh you know guys like that, and then. Ricky was like, oh, I've got this guy. And he sent in some samples. And he normally inks, you know, uh, Ivan Rice style guys. But he's like, he sent in samples that were not like that. They were more like those guys that you like. And so I wanted to show them to you. And I saw him and I was like, All right, let's give him a tryout page. And then, you know, he did one page and we were like, oh, God.
4: <laughs> <This> <laughs> yeah, is totally. Exactly
1: what I was going for. And then he turns out to be like. The most reliable inker uh, ever where he, I turn in a page and the next day I get it back and it, it's, it's crazy like he's a, I can't believe how perfectly he's worked out because you know this could, it could normally there's like a, a growing pains period when mm-hmm. you work with an inker where you're, both, you're going back and forth and then you find the style finally on like your third issue. But he had it from page one. It was it was crazy. And then we talked, and he was like, "Oh yeah, no, my favorite inkers are, you know." And he said the same guys that I love. And I was like, "Oh yeah, no, this is gonna go great."
2: <clears throat> and there's a lot of texture in this issue too.
1: Yes, the, which is uh, what I love. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The the pitting and the dimples in in the Venom costume, the shock waves when the the thing blows up in in his head. It's 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 amazing. The the floorboards in Eddie's little rundown. <sighs> apartment or whatever it is it's it's um it's just amazing and i was actually
1: like, he he sent me the original art so like he and i are selling it together through felix because mm-hmm. uh, because he inks over blue lines i pencil on one board i scan it send it to him because he's in brazil and then he sends me all the original art i was looking at it and i felt honestly i felt like i had i was like torturing somebody because <laughs> it's all those tiny lines he does not do anything digitally. In the end, it is all there. It's it, there's splatters everywhere. There's little, like tech lines, like almost like Arthur Adams thin lines everywhere. Mm-hmm. It is insane. And then he's he's very additive. I've never worked with an inker that was bold enough to. Um, I, I mean, I think that most of the time, most artists don't want the inker to uh, embellish, embellish too much. You yeah. know, like like we're kind of in an age where. We we we've seen the artists that we grew up with. You know, a long time ago, inking was embellishing. Now it's more. The the pencilers are so tight that the inkers just do what they they've done. Where JP, I can give him something, and at this point, I know how he's going to handle something. And so, like I I was just kind of laughing with my friends that I Skype with every day. He turned in a page today where I half-assed these speed lines so bad, <laughs> where, like, I drew the buildings, I, I filled them in black real quick with the side of my pencil, and then I put up a couple lines, and then I took an eraser, and it basically just indicated what I wanted. And then I got it back from him, and he had clearly spent, like, five hours <laughs> doing this thing that I did in ten seconds, because well, he knew what I was going for. It was It was bonkers. Again, I mean that's what I that's what I was talking about is like the whole art team
0: is. I always use metaphors for bands because I was in punk rock bands for a while. But like everyone, everyone's adding. Like everyone's adding pieces, and everyone's uh, everyone knows what we're trying to accomplish and is able to um, uh, improvise. You know, while not kind of throwing it off. And JP's
1: uh, maybe the strongest example of that, I think. Well, yeah, I sent Donnie, Frank's sending in pages today, and we were I, he Frank sent me one, and I was like Frank, never in my life would I have thought of this color palette, and it's amazing oh, yeah. and it's perfect. And then I was texting it to Donnie, and I was just I was just like, man, I love this book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know,
1: like that's honestly how I just felt at that moment. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like the synergy here is just too good.
2: We getting a no hardcover out of this. Right. I hope.
1: Oh so yeah, we'll get maybe, maybe always, like ten you know, of them. They're always talking about hardcover. We'll get an omnibus, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Oh, for sure. No, this deserves Look, was, hardcover I, I just, treatment. This,
3: I just received a Carnage omnibus, so there will eventually be a Venom omnibus of this, I'm sure. They they, they will not hesitate to do that. For sure.
2: Oversized. Yeah, sure. So, yes, yeah. yeah. We're so,
1: gonna do so, an artist edition, all of it.
3: Sweet. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. All right. Yeah, D,
0: DC, you'll do an absolute version of it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um. So Donnie, you are currently at, or at least I don't know if it's wrapping up. or You're in the middle of it still. The the, the Marvel Creative Retreat. I know you can't talk about that. My question is more like, you know, I think when we when we have creators on, especially writers, that, um, you know, like like I think the average comic reader probably looks at you as sort of a new guy, right? Just because like, right. Let's you know, fair or unfair, still a huge portion of the of the readership is uh, you know mainly mainly big two or whatever, and and obviously you're you're just yeah. kind of coming apart on that. Um, You know, now as I mentioned, I mean, Ghost Fleet came out I think four years ago, so I assume you wrote it, you know, a year before that or whatever. So you've been at it for a bit, and I know, like you said, you ran comic shops before that, and you've had you went to Scad. So, like, I guess to you, it's probably been a really long journey full of twists and turns. To the like average Joe, you're the new sort of it writer. Um, Is it surreal to you, like at this point? Like, I don't know how I don't know if this is your first. I don't think this is your first retreat, but it's got to be like you haven't done too many of them so like are you still sort of like when you sit down in the first few minutes of the retreat and it's like you and you know everybody ah. else and and cb sort of calls everything in order is it like still surreal to you or does it kind of just feel like like you're you're just you're kind of like you're totally part of the of, of the process at this point
0: um it's weird right like i'm i'm definitely <clears throat> it's not that i take it for granted as much as i uh everyone in the Marvel room, uh, right now, um, it's so comfortable. Um we we're talking about that yesterday. Like, I'm genuine friends with everyone in that room. Like, it wouldn't be weird at all for us to go out to dinner or like, you know, if they came to my to my to my town in Austin, they crash on my couch. Like, honestly, like we all get along so well. So it's such a nurturing and like supportive room that it does kind of lull me into this like oh hey what's up guys like yeah let's get to work like definitely you know and then like and then like jason aaron will outline some kind of crazy new thing that he's doing and i'll just he'll just be talking and i'll just be looking at him i'll be like (laughs) oh wait oh wait that's fucking jason aaron wait what wait what the fuck is happening right now you know i mean it'll 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 happen every now and then like um, there was something that we were talking about in the room today that was, um, a huge, huge milestone thing that's happening. And I just, I found myself being like, I, I, I can't believe that I live in the timeline where I'm in the room during this, you mm-hmm. know, or I get to do this. I mean, I mean, Venom's a great example. I mean, I I find myself the writer of venom on his 30th anniversary, the year his, his, his film comes out. I mean, it's stuff like that, that you have to stop and pause and go like, man, that is fucking cool. <laughs> like that's, I It doesn't matter how long you do the job or how long, like uh, I've perceived how long I've been in it. Um, it's stuff like that. I mean, I'm still a comic book nerd, you know? And so, it's it's a it's a trip, it's a continual trip. Um, next week is my five year anniversary from my first book ever published. Nice. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, five years is not a lot of time. Um, I've got a lot of books out in that time, but like none of them, you know, they were well well received or whatever. But no one really started paying attention until last year, until God Country, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, it's funny because I see. I see a lot of and hear a lot of people coming up to me and being like, man, it's so crazy. Like, you got to Marvel so fast. You these big books now. And, like, that must be so crazy for you because, like, I've been reading your stuff since your first book. And I always go, what do you think my first book is? And they'll be like, God Country. I'm like, that's my sixth. <laughs> right, right. you, <yeah. laughs> It's been, I've, I've been here for longer than that. I mean, it has been um, uh, a somewhat uh breakneck in the past like two years for sure um it's it's all i can do to like keep up and my wife is very good about making me acknowledge um like how rad stuff is and like take a breath and be you know and just be thankful and be and be humble about how which is tough for me because i'm you know i'm my biggest fan um it it it, to answer your question yes, it's dope. And yes, it's always surreal. (laughs) It never feels uh, like a real thing that is happening to me. I, I, after my first retreat, Brian was still there. That was my first retreat with Brian's last. Um, and being in that room with him and hearing him talk and hearing everyone who was in that room talk, I remember calling my wife and saying, like there are times during this retreat that I had to wake up and realize what my body was doing. <laughs> like I would just be on i just be on autopilot and like kind of like awestruck by what, what was happening. And I'd have to be like, hey, you're in this room. Like you're you're actually in that body that's in that room. Like pay attention. Like you're not just like hovering above everybody in a cloud. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense or not.
3: Definitely. Well, and if you want to hear something really surreal, I heard um I was listening to a podcast on my way home from work tonight. That's uh, run by a couple retailers in Chicago, and um, uh, apropos of nothing, maybe, but they mentioned that uh, Man of Steel number one, uh, I don't think broke the top ten in Diamond this this month. So you guys, uh, you guys outsold Bendis.
2: So there you go. So uh, I can't,
0: I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm I sure can't it'll be that, if that's real. Yeah, but well, uh, even
2: more impressive to me is, yeah, you're quote the new guy, but you won up Jeff Lemire.
0: Yeah, man. I you mean know, he's true. what do you mean?
2: Yeah, no, not being oh. mean. He he's our friend and everything, and we've had yeah, him we on a bunch of times. Actually, um time. but I mean I, I enjoyed his contribution to the Thanos series, but Thanos oh, wins okay, yeah. Yeah. Thanos wins much more engrossing than than what he did. It my opinion. Um, that's it.
0: Well it, well, thank you for saying that.
2: Again, it's smart. You're you're asking <laughs> The, all the questions and and you 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 equate Thanos with a force of nature, who inevitably, yeah, like, like cancer, will kill you. He will win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, we have all these yeah. stalwart heroes in the Marvel universe doing what they do, and it's all for naught because Thanos will win. Right, it's mm-hmm. amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I well, thank you so much. I I tell you what, the biggest, like, the weirdest thing about that about that book is. Like currently, is that and pr- probably I can now, but for like a week there, I literally couldn't talk about the title of my book because it was a spoiler for the biggest film ever made. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I literally couldn't talk about. Like, I wanted to like say, "Hey, I saw Infinity War, and this is dope," and like hashtag Thanos wins. <laughs> so I was like, right, right. No, I can't do that. I <laughs> can't do that because I'm I'm trying to hype my book, but." I ended up stumbling backwards into <laughs> just spoiling that movie.
3: Yeah, you know, it's, it's but, a weird thing you say that because um, we, just for for shits and giggles, before the uh, movie came out, we we uh, reviewed uh, the original Infinity Gauntlet on the show. Uh, yeah. And I remember, Vince, you said sort of when we were wrapping up the, the, the review, uh, you were like, oh, suffice to say, we probably won't see much of this in the film. And I think David and I were both like, yeah, you're right. It's, it's going to be much different. And, you know, it's just kind of funny because I think that now we're so, you know, I mean, the movies have so overtaken from a pop culture perspective, the comics and that, totally. you know, we now have millions of people that consider themselves like, you know, Marvel or superhero fans. And, you know, we've got like us OG comic readers that are kind of like, you know, the dudes who remember the band when they used to play at, you know, 50 person, in, you know, bars and now for kind of <laughs> some kind of way. And I was like, you know, I remember, but the, this was one of those times that mo- the end of that movie in particular was one of those few times that I can recall thinking that there was such a stark difference between the comic nerds and everyone else. Because everyone else was oh, legit, yeah. like, jaw on the floor, shocked at what happened. And, you know, us OG they, comic nerds are like, didn't, yeah. read fucking, if, didn't you fucking read Infinity Gauntlet? Like, what's the <laughs> matter? Yeah, they're,
4: know, like-
0: they're, they're all death virgins. This is yes. their first comic book test. They they don't yes. they don't know any better. It's great. Right. It's great right. to see when I went and saw Infinity War, I went and saw it with a big group of creators out in Calgary and when the credits rolled, I literally like jumped up in my seat and started cheering and was just like,
2: Oh my god! Did y'all see that shit? Holy shit.
0: <laughs> and then my buddy my buddy leaned over and he goes, Hey man, not everybody was rooting for Thanos. <laughs> and I was like, Oh shit And he was like, Yeah, everyone in this room is really upset. And you're yelling at him. I was like, "Oh, because <laughs> <word." laughs> like all my like my brother who is now like sending me um, Reddit theories mm-hmm. about comic books, and I keep on telling him like, Andy, dude, I this is this is what I do for a living, man. Like, we, we <laughs> you don't need to try and prove your point. I know you're wrong. Like, I this is what I do every day. Um, <laughs> but like, it's 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 everybody. I remember, dude, sincerely when I got that gig when it was announced that I was going to be taking over from Jeff um, <clears throat> like my my friends who even like you know were casual comic book fans and stuff like that I had explained to them who Thanos was and I was like yeah I mean it, he's he's a really dope character he's like a big space tyrant you've actually seen him in the Marvel films he's that big purple dude at the end of Avengers and in Guardians and they were like yeah I, I guess so I don't know and now like McDonald's is like tweeting out about Thanos and stuff, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just so weird that now he's like he's like the new Darth Vader, um, and like i i I think that that's really, really cool. Um, and you know, obviously, they didn't adapt anything that I did for that film, but it was so funny going into that into that, into that film, you know, I was tweeting so much like about going to see it, and I would always tag them like like y- like y'all watch out. For real though, Thanos wins. That's what he does. I was just hyping my own book. I didn't know anything. Like they don't they, they don't tell us anything. Right? Mm-hmm. And I had and I had friends who were like, dude, you're gonna be so let down, dude. Like the heroes win, dude. Uh-huh. That's what they do in these in these films. And I was like, Man, I don't I don't think so, dude. That's what Thanos does. I mean, Thanos drops bodies. And then when it when the film came out, I had all my friends texted me who don't read comics, just aghast in mm-hmm. shock and I was like yeah you got it. I told you like that's what happened in infinity gauntlet like he wins that's what happens <laughs> yeah,
3: he's like the golden state warriors he doesn't he doesn't lose yep
4: um yeah.
2: so I mean, where
4: it, 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 it there, but.
2: where did the concept of uh frank castle the cosmic ghost writer come from or or when did uh, it come it was to you
1: it's my idea my idea it was idea. yours <laughs> Yeah. Was your daily mind. your yeah. daily uh, <laughs> yeah. texts
2: yeah
0: yeah um no, the cosmic Ghost Rider was an idea I had um, for a really long time now. Um, it's an idea like that way predates my involvement with Marvel as a writer. Um, I just I just thought it would look cool. I just thought it would look really super cool, like a a, a cosmic themed Ghost Rider, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then in I mean, honestly, if it started out. I would I have to imagine the same way that the original Ghost Rider character started out. Which was that's a cool drawing. Right? And that's not a knock at all, like at no. all. I mean Venom it started out that same way too. It's a really strong visual hook, right? I mean, it, it looks cool on the side of a van. That's not a knock. That's dope, right? Um and Cosmetic Ghost Rider started out the same way. And you know, I just thought that would look cool. Um I I I had I kinda had an idea of what it looked like in my head. And then I started I mean and again, you have to understand this is just me essentially doing fanfic, because I was in no way involved with Marvel at the time. This was like 2009. Um, and I thought, you know, who, who loves Vengeance more than anybody else? And that's Frank Castle. And I thought that um, my initial idea for it was, man, if I ever get to Marvel, that's the book I'm going to pitch. I'm going to pitch right out of the gate. I'm going to pitch Cosmic Ghost Rider. <laughs> um, and then, I know, that was my whole plan, right? And then I remember I was a Marvel intern, and then, um, like, a year after that or so, I started to get uh, my first few, like, creator-owned books kind of picked up. And I would run into my old editors um, that I used to intern for, Mark Panicia, Jordan White, Sana. Um, and I would talk to them. And I remember I was talking to Panic one time, and he was just being polite, he was just kind of feeling me out. And he was like, hey, man, you know, no promises or anything, obviously, but if you ever did come over to Marvel – what would you want to do? And I was like, man, I had this idea for Cosmic Ghostwriter, and he's Frank Castle. And he's this big, like, how I want to do it is, like, hide his face and, like, have it be, like, a big, like, Twitter campaign of, like, who is the writer and all this stuff. And I could just see it on Panic's face. He was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and he was like, nah, man, I meant, like, like real characters that exist.
4: <laughs> like, like, you're not going
0: to come and do fanfic. Like, this is, you know... Um And so it was a kind of a natural evolution there because when Jordan, um, the the guy I interned for, um, Jordan hit me up, uh, God Country had come out, him and Axel had really enjoyed it. And, you know, Jeff was going to take his leave on Thanos. Um, And they called me and they said, do you want to take over Thanos? Um, I said, yes. And then I started formulating my pitch for it and coming up with a storyline for it. And, I won't bore you with how all that came together, but I knew in the first issue that I needed someone or something to come from the future back to the present and pick up Thanos and drag him into the future. And like, originally I was like, ah, oh, maybe it's like, you know, one of the black order, like maybe it's like, you know, Corvus glaive or something like that, because, um, you know, Jeff had just used those guys and they were kind of fresh, and then i was looking through a bunch of old notes and i was like oh wait no <laughs> i i can do it i can backdoor this dumb idea you know um and so i just put it in the i just put it in the pitch i was like this is this new character that i want to use and they were like how does that make any sense and i was like well i'll tell you in issue 4 issue 4 is the entire origin and how it makes sense and jordan approved it um and We were off, but none of us knew. I mean, I I for sure assumed this was going to be a character that I I did in these six issues, and it was never going to be seen again. I, you know, um, we had no idea that the response to it was going to be um, as immediate and as big as it was. Um, And so when Thanos um, became successful and people started catching on to it, they came to me and asked if I would want to continue his story. And, I mean, fuck yes. I mean, obviously, right? Um, and so now here we are, you know? That's, that's, that's where that dude comes from. And it, he does not come from, um, as a lot of people, a lot of people in my signing lines and at cons, a lot of fans come to me and they present this conspiracy theory that I suppose lives on Reddit or something. Because they all say the same thing. The theory is, is that it was supposed to be Deadpool. <laughs> that it was supposed to be Wade.
4: Which I totally get,
0: like he's like, like, like he sounds. Oh, because he's kind like because yeah, like,
3: he got jokes and stuff. You mean?
0: Yeah, because like, he's got jokes. But like yeah, my yeah. whole thing is that Wade didn't invent crazy. You know, um, and we leaned into it kind of. I mean, his balloons are black and red. You know, so like that's there for sure, right? But like people think that. Because I did this huge, not huge, but I mean, I engaged in this Twitter campaign of hashtag who is the writer. And I definitely leaned into the mystery of who he was. Um, and people think that because they guessed it right, I changed it. And I was like, <laughs> you guys really think that what happened was that we were in knee deep in production by the time <laughs> the first issue came out, that I halted production and came up with that entire fourth issue, which is the origin of Frank Castle. I was like, dude, that I'm I'm not that smart or fast. Like that's an idea I had in 2009. <laughs> and so, but still, they don't want to hear it. They think it's Wade. They still think it's Wade. They I still have fans come up to me and say, like, "Yo, I bet you," which is funny because it's like you're gonna lose that bet because I'm in control of the bet. Um, that in the solo series. It'll review reveal that it was Wade and he was just bullshitting. And was like that's a real weird, that, that, that would be a real real weird turn in the third act.
2: People don't <laughs> like to be wrong, but the the cool fact they is don't. very high on this character and sight on scene. I mean, I saw the cover and I was like, I'm in, I'm in because I <laughs> I saw the cover for Cosmic Ghost Rider before I read the Thanos series. Because I I was, yeah, I was a little behind, a little behind. And um, Mm -hmm. I I said to the guys, did you see this? And they're both like, yeah, it's in Thanos. I'm like, okay. Yeah, so Uh we knew
3: what was up already. Yeah,
2: I didn't. I didn't. By the Uh, way, uh,
3: before we move off from Thanos, I got to ask Donnie, like, was it your idea? Did you have to get special permission to give Thanos, uh, um, like, an original name?
0: Well, uh, it's not his original name. (laughs) <laughs> no what it's, i mean that's the, f- it is the name his mother wanted to name him. yeah that's he what i mean yeah. he was born no i know yeah. my my exasperation comes from the millions of clickbait articles that i got raked over the coals. i mean dude i couldn't oh did I you i don't i don't read that nonsense oh okay. my God. uh i uh, i got raked man i mean oh. it was impossible for me to get online for Oh, like, sorry i don't mean
3: to stir up old wounds yeah. I-
0: no, 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 no! I don't give a fuck because it's not—it's not his name. It's, yeah. But like, you know, obviously, like CBR and and these and these uh, kind of guys who are good to have always been good to me. Mm-hmm. But they like ComicBook.com put out this article that was like, um, Thanos writer like rewrites Thanos' origin and gives him an, uh, his real name. Like, you know, they they, oh, they yeah, love I to do it. stuff like that. Yeah, and it was one of those things where I could absolutely tell the Venn diagram of who had read it and who had not, because everyone who had read it uh, didn't care. And everyone who hadn't was furious. Um, <laughs> um, but to answer your question, yeah, that was me. I I, I wanted to, uh, I liked this idea that death had kind of been there from the jump, that death, you know, there's that, I don't directly say it, but I think it's, it's, it's somewhat strongly implied that the cold wind that, Whispers the name Thanos into his Son's ear was death. It was naming this child. Um, to me, the name Thanos, while a dope name, um, is somewhat um, jarring to name a child considering the mother and father were like poets and scientists and they had named their other son Eros. Right. right? These are pretty names. These are like pretty sounding names. And and also, they're also names of of moons of Saturn. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, As is as is Dione.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I just thought that Dion sounded pretty. Um, and I like the idea that, I mean, it's like it's the Mister Sinister or, or 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 Sinestro. I was like, well, yeah, you name your kid Sinestro. Like, wh- what do you <laughs> think was going to happen? You know, like. And so I just wanted to. I just like this idea, and I, and also just narratively speaking, I needed uh, a mechanism for young Thanos to believe that King Thanos was actually him, right? right? right. Because
3: in a yeah, world where there's the me- trolls yeah, when, and... Exactly, yeah. that was like, to tell me something that only you would know, and he's like, yeah, that was great, yeah. But if you
2: slice the word apart, Dion, part of it is God, mm-hmm. Dio. Sure, yeah, sure. Did you Did you intend that, or...
0: I, yes. This is my pat answer on this. This is, this is my pat answer on that. I meant it as much as um, as Stanley and Jack meant all the shit they meant. Nice.
4: Uh, <laughs> all, all, you Namor,
0: all you non-Greek bastards are bastardizing the name, but
2: I'll let you all go by that. Uh,
0: ne- uh, you know, Namor is the word Roman spelled backwards, but it sounds <laughs> dope.
2: Jason, is you it know, Dione? Uh, it's Dione, yeah. Yeah, Dione. Dione. I like well, that.
0: Well, you know, uh, I, you know, one of us is the writer. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I would, I would argue well done. That well done. They <laughs> were, they were not in Greece. They were on a, a moon called Titan, so it's pronounced Dion. Uh you're a I love it. Okay. Well done.
2: Yeah, but there I got. Have. I have to say, you have been incredibly blessed with your um, visual counterparts on on all your stuff absolutely daniel warren johnson this guy over here ryan Mm -hmm. stegman and we loved jeff shaw was just gonna say we loved god country and we thought it was a Mm -hmm. at the time a visual tour de force and then you take a look at thanos and it's like again what is jeff shaw eaten like he just right leveled up he levels
3: up every book and that was your yeah you've done four books with him now right because you did buzzkill and the paybacks with him too right
0: yeah, Buzzkill Paybacks, uh, God Country, and now Thanos. And we are working on a new thing as we speak. So, are you homies um, way back? is that? Were you guys friends before yeah, you from Yeah, okay, from SCAD.
3: Yeah, cool. SCAD.
0: Yeah, yeah. We, we both went to school mm-hmm. together um, at SCAD. It was one of those things, though, that we, you know, just kind of the same thing as Ryan is like, I had always admired Jeff's art. Cause, dude, he was that good back in school, like, for real. Um, and he only got better from there. Uh, him and Trad Moore were in the same class. Oh, my God. Um, and they were, Another and they were both. Guy. <laughs> yeah, well, and also those two are the reasons why I'm a writer because I went to SCAD to be a penciler and was in classes with Jeff Shaw and Trad Moore, and I was like,
1: uh,
0: I need a new <laughs> plan because I'm never going to be as good as those guys. Uh, yeah, Jeff is um, he's one of my best friends on the planet. Nice. Um, and the I, I, I look for certain things in artists. Um, my priorities that I look for um, are very specific. I, I tend to think that any working professional should be able to pull off any any like big time um, action scenes that I ask of them. Any of them, right? If you're working in modern comics, you should be able to draw a fucking big rig truck fight. But what what Daniel does, what you know Dylan Burnett does, what Ryan Stegman does, what Jeff Shaw does, um, they can all act their ass off. They can sell a quiet scene of two people talking.
2: Yep, That
0: to me is more important than anything else, than any flashy anything. Um, And I I, I literally, I mean, I look for that. I turn artists down all the time because I go through their portfolios and just a bunch of
4: Mm -hmm. big,
0: dumb action stuff. But then when I see two characters talking, it's like, dude, this is so empty. It's so obvious you're bored. It's yeah. so obvious. Yep. You 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 want to get back to the fight and, and tights, you know. And Ryan sells the shit out of it because I I am a very visual guy in that I went to that, but I also I like to think at least that 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 action is only it only works because you by the time it happens you should be emotionally tied, yep. and it's hard to be emotionally tied. To characters who were dead behind
2: eyes, right? You and know, just, just um, to,
0: and go
2: ahead, yeah. No, I was just say just to swing it back to Ryan. Um, in equal measure, I mean, yeah, the the big scenes in Venom Number One are the wow, I mean, jaw dropping. But it's the quieter moments that are equally compelling for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: no, well, yeah,
1: you wouldn't. Go ahead. go ahead, then Oh, we had that big scene with the Rex and and uh, Eddie talking, and that's you know, in it's a thirty-page issue, so that was like that was a lot of, a lot of pages in a row, more yeah. than you would normally mm-hmm. do in an issue of two people talking. And I started to get a little nervous. I was like, uh, "Is this is this going to work?" But <sighs> I felt I felt connected to it the whole time. And I actually, I think in the end, that's that's one of the standout scenes from the book is those two just sitting in a room yep. talking with yeah. you know, yep. one overhead light and, right. and dingy. And yeah. a furnace. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah. I
0: mean, the thing is, like, you, you wouldn't buy Eddie throwing himself into a truck and Eddie um going headlong into danger after danger after danger, if you didn't believe from the opening pages, from a simple scene where he looks in the mirror, that he this was a man at the end of his rope that would do anything to fix his yep. problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you didn't if you didn't believe it, this is a man that was about an hour and a half away from killing himself, then you wouldn't buy mm. anything else.
3: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you know Ryan. I mean, uh, you know, I love your work, and and I I, I do think you're great at, at action, certainly. But but uh, for me, dude, and this issue really illustrates it. But I think it's 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 something you've done in many of your uh, books. I, you your eyes are extremely descriptive. Like I have always, you know, you know, I collect a lot of art as well. And like for me, like like the artists that have it, like, are the ones that like can carry that kind of panel. You know, like where the where the it's just a face. You know, "quote unquote" talking head, but that, but it still tells a story, and I, I yeah. think that's probably. I don't, I'm not an artist, but it always struck me as like that's a talent, like that, like when when you can captivate me when it's a when it's a person or two who's done their faces, uh, that that is hard to do, right? I mean, we can all be captivated by a double page spread where 17, you know, superpowered beings are fighting each other. That that's super dope, and we all love that. But like when you can just when you can just sell me a story based on you know eyes and sort of facial features, that that's that's special.
1: Yeah, so. I think that that's. Well, thank you, first of all. But I I think that that's um, kind of a thing that separates uh, artists. Is Donnie and I have talked about this the selling the drama. Because these, you know, comics are melodrama. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I guess I kind of take a lot of cues from manga in that sense where they do those simplified, um, like symbolic faces, but they, but you know, you kind of they're always emoting in a certain way uh to like to an extreme degree and mm-hmm. that's kind of what you need to do even when you're drawing somewhat you know more realistic you take those symbols and you then you just turn them into a more realistic version of the symbol and uh it you know it helps to sell the drama and sell the mood of everything
3: sure sure so when um you know be, being at this for a long time now Ryan like like what what's what's changed for you? Like in terms of do you like? You, I feel like you do a decent amount of cons. I see you at cons, but like, do you get to a point where like you decide to slow down the cons? Do you just enjoy the cons? Like, um, like is it dictated by like how busy you are with a book? Like, I'm just curious. Like, you know, you've been at it. Like, have you found that like you have your patterns of how you go about your 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 business have changed in any particular any material way?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure, I I do less cons. That's mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, there was a time where, you know, conventions felt like a necessity. Like I have to get my face in front of, you know, this person and this person and, uh, all that stuff. But, um, now the cons are just kind of, they're more, they're more chill, but they're less necessary for me, mm-hmm. for me. So yeah, I've been doing less of them. Um, but you know, at the same time, I, I still try to find ways to connect with, um, fans and everything, but, um. Yeah, over time, I would say, you know, my wife is very, very good about saying to me, hey, uh, you know how you're asking if if we can do this one convention and, you know, wherever? She's like, remember how you said you don't want to do as many cons, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, I always forget, and I always want to do them, and then she'll talk me out of it. and uh, You know, I just did one in Mexico. Uh,
3: oh, were you down there? Was that the one that Scotty was at? Uh, the yeah. Same one? And we
1: had an unbelievable time, Uh, but, you know, like, now I'm behind on work and Mm -hmm. I got sick and all that stuff because, you know, you're traveling
3: and
1: all that stuff. So, yeah. It's a
3: weird thing. I mean, I I, I think, I mean, not that you guys have any particular perspective on this, but, you know, I've been saying I feel like, um, I don't know if we're at it, but we're kind of close to peak con. Just what I mean by that is like. Like the cons that we go to, I'm noticing Mm -hmm. are are having a material change in the number of guests or the or the you know it it seems like they're everybody's kind of struggling a bit just because there are so many cons now Mm -hmm. and you know I know you know because again knowing lots of artists and creators I know that a lot of cons have taken to sort of paying for you guys to come and and listen. That's awesome for you guys. I love, love it for you. I mean that's great. Nothing's better than, like, getting paid to go to a con versus having to sort of pay for your own table. But, like, I, I don't know how sustainable that is. Like, you know, me, the business guy, I don't know how sustainable that is, like, longer term. I'm sure, you know, the big shows, obviously, they 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 can they can afford to do these kind of things. But, like, I just feel like a lot of these shows I've never heard of, and suddenly someone mentions it to me, and I look. Like, I, someone just pointed out a con to me um, that's, like, a week after Heroes, and I looked, and it's got this incredible guest list. I'd never heard of it before. And then I hear that, like, they're paying guys to come out there, and I'm thinking... This is probably not going to end well, but I guess like from your guys' perspective, it doesn't really much matter. I mean, you just sort of like 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 take take advantage of it while it's while it's kind of there, right? And then like uh, yeah,
4: yeah, you know. I
1: would say that you know like there was the '90s comic boom um, where you know everybody was making tons of money or whatever, and right now we're seeing sort of the convention boom. So you have to figure out how to take advantage of it in a way. But yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that. It, it's possibly sustainable. I mean, maybe it is because you go to these things and there's tens of thousands of people at every single one, but Mm -hmm. uh, they, it doesn't seem like it could go on forever, but you know, maybe that's, I mean, I think that people could, you could technically like if you are in this business long enough, you could definitely just, be like, you know what? I don't want the grind of pages anymore. I'm just going to work on the weekends by going to cons.
3: It's oh fun. well, shit! I mean, there's a ton of people that do that now, right? Yeah, that's, that's no, that's no secret, right? I mean, yeah, you know, there's plenty of guys that just uh, make their living doing that for sure.
1: Yeah, uh, so you could just make your living doing that now, and it's kind of nice. But yeah, I, I love doing. I love telling stories, so yeah, I get a little antsy when I get kind of when I get bogged down in the ancillary stuff.
3: For sure. And and Donnie, for you, I mean, has the con scene changed a lot? I mean. I guess this year is probably the year where you're going to feel it the most, right? Where, like, you're going to start having to sit at a table and there's going to be lots of lines and do lots of signings and all that sort of stuff, right?
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm definitely doing more cons than I ever have this year for sure. Um, I'm going to Megacon Florida at the end of this this month, and that'll be the first one since Venom came out. Um, So I imagine that'll be uh, hectic. Um, But... Yeah, definitely. Well, here's the thing: is like, I started getting invited to all these shows, and was just like, "Oh man, I've never been like I've I've always like gone on my own dime. I've always like just gone to just just like what Ryan was talking about, gone to like put my work in front of somebody or or or, or meet people or whatever. And now it's totally not that, you know. But I I pretty much said yes to like I said yes to a lot. And then my workload like quadrupled. And so I'm learning that back this year of like how many I can actually do. And, um, for anyone who's hearing this, who wants to see me at a show this, this year is the year because <laughs> 2019 I'm cutting way down. Like I might yeah. do two next year, you know? For sure. For sure. Um, before we
3: uh because i don't be respectful for your guys time but i gotta say donnie i just finished uh the second arc of redneck and uh uh that book is pretty dope i i love the first volume but i thought that uh I, I i thought the second volume was was even better man i i i uh thank you i gotta say like it's like i'm a, I'm a mark for vampires so like you kind of mm-hmm. had me there <laughs> but uh but like kind of like hatfields and mccoys meets meets vampire world is sort of like Right. It's it's almost like a it's like such a it sounds like such an obvious elevator pitch and I find a lot of the stories are like when you kind of take a two two concepts that are you know classic concepts and bring them together but in a way that no one ever thought of and uh, so just hats off to you man I, I what you and Lissandro have uh, done with that has been badass I'm just totally engrossed by it and uh, and and also much love on that little uh, subtle Southern Bastards uh, homage uh, in uh, I don't know if it was issue, <laughs> which issue that was I forget it was middle of the uh, second
0: it's like issue seven or eight or something yeah. like that.
3: Yeah, um, I don't know if you're caught up, Vince, but there was a point where they have the radio on, and it's uh, it's a, it's the radio's talking about a, uh, a dust up at a, uh, a Rebs game. at a Rebs game. Yeah, yeah. So it's a yeah. little, little homage to
2: tip of the
0: hat
3: to the bastards. Yeah.
0: Now, yeah. now the now I I definitely asked the Jasons uh, if I could do that, um, and and uh, in their own words, the most uh, the most science fiction element of all of Redneck is that someone in East Texas would give a shit about an Alabama football game.
3: I, so. Dude, I'm so f- glad you brought that up because I didn't want to put you on, on Front Street, but I'm a huge sports fan, especially football, and I love that there's, you did There's it no way. Like, but then I'm sitting there thinking, like, wait a minute. I'm like, did they – because I knew the first – you know, they were in Texas, and then they had to escape. Spoilers to those already, right. I've read it. But, and I was like, oh, wait. I'm like, did they escape to Alabama? I'm like, oh,
0: no, they're no. still in Texas. I'm like, yeah, wait, why are they listening to insane. Alabama football? Because <laughs> yeah, like, Texas football is just – you know, Yeah, you know. Yeah, if it was college ball, then like, 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 maybe he would be listening to that if they were up against somebody. But like high school ball, yeah, no he's, way. you know,
3: he'd be listening to like Odessa Permian, right? Like, right? Like yeah, that. word, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 or Katie. yeah, yeah.
3: But either way, I thought it was fun. It was fun to see you do that. Yeah, so. it's,
0: it's super fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, man. I uh, that is weirdly enough the hardest book I write, and uh, at times the most gratifying. So For uh, sure. thank you so much.
3: Oh, yeah definitely definitely, and it's still it's you're you're gonna keep putting putting it out right right that's that's not, not going oh yeah,
0: cool, not at all, not at all man i we have the first like fifty issues planned out, and so issue twelve just dropped, and I just turned in issue twenty one some shit like that so okay. yeah we're we're good all
4: right
3: all right nice cool. so so uh Ryan, you know one of the things that i uh another thing I like about you is that um you know for for reasons I'm sure that often aren't the artist's choice um especially the big two, like, you know, artists often don't stay on a book for very long. And I know there's a million reasons why that can happen, you know, different, different opportunities or or different commitments or different editors. Like, I get it. Like, I know a lot of it's not under your control per se, but, but you have had a, a, you know, I think your time at Marvel has been characterized by some really lengthy runs. And, and I think that, you know, the old school collector in me, you know, uh, like loves the idea of, of that, of a team where I have like one, one visual voice, that I associate with a with book. And I, I find those those books are often the ones that, like, stay with me, you know, years and years later. Like, I think – because I think of, like, oh, that was that book by, you know, writer slash artist, whoever that may be, you know. Um, and, and it seems like – again, I don't know if this is something you've had, like, lobbied for or you've just been fortunate or because you're kind of stationed at Marvel, you've kind of – like, I don't know if, how much of it you, you'd say you've had control over. But I definitely think it's not lost on me and a lot of readers that, you you know, you have done, you know, substantive runs on the books you've chosen to do.
1: I think that you would be in the minority in saying that about me and my career. Really? <laughs> yeah. I get that a lot. Like, people are like, oh, well, Stegman's doing it, so, you know, he'll be four and out. Wait,
3: I mean, that's not true at all, though.
1: I mean, the most I've done on a series is, pro- is, like, eight issues. Wait, but Renew Your Vows, didn't you do, like— I feel like that was a well. Well, a lot of times, if I keep doing the covers, it will look like I'm doing well.
3: Nothing. Okay. Uh,
1: but no, my goal—I I always want to do long runs. Uh, they always have different plans, um, but they've really listened to us on this book. They've—you know—I can't stress that enough. Like they, everything that Donnie and I have put forth, they've they've said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try it that way. We'll, we'll, you know, we want Ryan to do all as many issues as he can. Now I'll have to take a break on issues seven and eight because mm-hmm. there's, it's just not humanly possible to do, uh, cause they're the first couple double ship. But then after that we go to a monthly schedule and I get to do, you know, all of them in a row. But my, our goal is to make this like a long, epic venom run that Good. defines everything and, that that's what I've always wanted and I've you know, I kinda of feel like I've been yelling into a vacuum about that, but finally it's it it seems to have landed and that's like one of the most exciting things about this book to me, is that we you know, not only is it in my opinion a great book, uh but feasibly we could just keep doing this for a long, mm-hmm. long time. And that is so yeah. exciting because when you switch books, you never know. Am I going to gel with it right away? Is yeah. going to, you know, I always know that I will gel with Spider-Man. Like Spider, that's sure. why I keep going back because it's like, that's my shit. But uh, this one I gelled with just as well as anything I ever have before, and now I can look at it and be like, we sold two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. It's a hit. People like it. I can do this for, you know. Fifty issues, if I feel like it, and I'll know that I'm going to be enjoying myself and having a great time.
3: Well, t- uh, so take take us behind the curtain, then. On the other side, why is it that it sounds like there have been times where you would have liked to have stayed on a book? It, like, is it just that? Why Why do they move you guys? Like, why Why do they kind of say no? You're going to have you on a different. Book. I to could help, have said to help launch I, books or to help. I don't like why is yeah
1: that? yeah that is okay. what it is. Like they there was that period where everything was about the launch. So. You'd be doing something, and then they, you know, say I was doing Superior Spider-Man, and they say, right. hey, you want to do Wolverine? Well, yes, I want to do Wolverine. Well, right now we have an opportunity for you to do an, a Wolverine number one, and you're like, uh, shit, I, I kind of want to do that, you know? And then they'd, they'd hard sell you on it, you know, and, and not like, I c- couldn't stay on, uh re- superior spider-man but th- it was just like this is a great opportunity i just launched superior spider-man now i can go launch this thing but over time with all those relaunches the impact of them was diminished mm-hmm. and so then you're just moving you it's just like moving into another book that's at a different point in its run so even when you're launching a book it's not you know it doesn't really feel like you're doing something new uh I mean, and you know, obviously, in Venom we did relaunch at number one, but we also kept the legacy uh, numbering, and, and mm-hmm. I felt like it was it, it's more impactful that way. So, uh, yeah, no, I, th- I I think that there was just like a lot of you know sort of confusion about what to do, and uh, you know, they offer you something, and and I I actually uh, until. This this project. So prior to taking this project, I turned down several other ones, and that that was the first time in my career that I've said no. Because I, I kind of okay. thought I thought I had to say yes, but I get I, I probably didn't have to. You know, they just they, it's kind of like, well, we want you to do this because this will help us here. We want you to be on this so that people take this launch seriously, and you know, so you think I'm being a team player. Whereas this time, I was just like, I'm gonna wait for the right thing, you know, and then of course this one came up and I said, "Ah, I don't know who this Donnie Cates kid is. No way. And then, (laughs) (laughs) no, but then, you know, Donnie called me and told me what was happening. And I was like, uh, yes, let's do this one. And, um, you know, I feel like I made the right decision, but now I know that I can say no. And that, uh, I have sort of that, um, that, I I have a very clear vision of where I want to go now, and I get it. So I think it's just like kind of growing pains in the industry, and it's pretty rare. You, it's hard to point to anybody that's done a long run on anything anymore right now. Uh, yeah,
3: I mean that's what I'm saying. Like I mean, you know, we're buddies with Mahmood, and you know, he obviously he's red, and he, you know, I I, I love his work, uh, but you know, he 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 they move him around a lot too. You know, and I'm I'm sure a lot of it's just the same thing. Like he launched X Men Red, and just feels like they're like I kind of just think like, all right, he's going to be on it for an arc, and then they're going to move him, you know? Uh, yeah,
1: th- yeah, and I think that that's kind of what their model was. But I think that's that's one of the things that's so exciting about the success of Venom because a yeah. plan, sort of, the, the, around the things. Yeah, and if it works, then I think it'll be a new model that they'll be able to do on other books, and it'll be good for artists all throughout. You know, it'll have ripple effects <laughs> that. Are good for everybody. So we're hoping that this, that, you know, our harebrained scheme works and, uh, you know, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, that's one of the most exciting aspects of this project is that it's definitely going to feel like me and Donnie's book throughout. Mm hmm. Million copies, bro. Yeah, million
0: uh-huh.
2: copies. That would be so nice. A million
0: copies, bro. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Let's swing it back to the creative process if we can. Um, what are I gotta some? I got
0: to bail in just a little bit, but yeah, okay. To this, but I got to bail in just a little
2: bit. Cool. Well, then this question pertains to both of you, so you can go first, cool. Donnie. Um, when you okay. sit down to do the thing that you do so well, whether it's visual or conceptual, what are some of the questions that 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 go through your mind when you're creating? Um, like with my students, I tell them you can't ask the question "why" too many times. There, there should be an endless chain of whys when you're when you're either illustrating or, or conceiving um, a character like what do you guys do like how do you get those ideas how do you jar them loose
0: um and that's if, if I if I knew how to answer that question I could bottle it up and sell it right right um, I just for me um, I, I you know, it always kind of—I—I st- I find that whether I—I I, I intend to or not, everything ties kind of um, emotionally uh, from where I kind of am in my personal life. Um, Thanos is a, Thanos wins is a story about a guy who had a lifelong goal and then saw himself achieve it and realized that um, ultimately, n- nothing that he ever does will ever be enough. Right. And that was kind of how I was feeling in a weird way when I first got to Marvel, because it it was all happening so fast and getting to Marvel was a a lifelong goal of mine. And then I got there and I was like, well, I thought I would be I thought some somewhat, I guess, you know, naively that I would be somehow at rest when I got there. I was like, oh, I, I did the thing. I got to Marvel and I I did the thing that I wanted to do. And then I got there. And I was like, oh, I climbed the mountain and I realized that at the top of the mountain, there's just a whole lot more mountain, you know, like the job is never over. And so I kind of tried to funnel that into into Thanos. And then Strange was um, a period of my life when I was working the most, like I had a bunch of products that were overlapping and I was felt like I was so overworked. I was so um, stressed out and lonely. Um I, I completely had to give up on seeing my family and my friends and my wife and I was just like alone. And luckily uh, the Loki Sano the Loki Source of Supreme Arc was a perfect way to talk about feeling alone. Um so things like that happened. Um and then you kinda combine that with um you know, the other, you know, that's part of my job, right? Part of my job is to inject emotion and be relatable. The other half of my job, which is probably the the best job on the planet, is that at a certain point, I am a professional um, guy who gets artists to draw rad <laughs> Sorry for him, you know? You all right, buddy? Yeah. Just Sorry. wander into a nest of badgers? The hell was that? <laughs>
1: Uh, I was flipping through my phone. Oh, okay. I was just gonna um, say.
2: So you guys yeah, heard that too? The, the,
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Ryan's
0: Ryan's doing what I do when he talks, which is zone <laughs> out and get on Twitter. Um, I the other half of my job is is, is, the, is the shit I was talking about earlier, which is un, trying to unleash the. And so um, I try and think of big rad stuff, big rad scenarios and settings and places and places I can put them in in, 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 and intense environments I can put them in um, and to show off the other side of comics, which is obviously art, right? Um, And then when I'm actually writing a script, something that I talk to – I speak at school sometimes and I I, I talk to students about this, especially um, in particularly to do with comics, um, and I tell young creators this all the time, is – my last pass on a script before it goes out the door, I do three passes. I do one that's for story, obviously, uh, story and tone and voice. The second one is the boring shit. It's the spelling and the grammar, all that kind of stuff. And the third one is a simple pass that is, is this worth $4? Is this package that I am sending out to be drawn, is that worth someone's time? Um, and oftentimes I get so in the weeds trying to pull off different tricks and, and things that I'll go back and look through it. I'll go, Hey, you know what? It's not, this isn't worth someone's $4. This might be worth someone $3, you know, (laughs) but I know how much this book costs, So I'm going to go back through this and make this pop. Um, and that comes from me being a retailer and reading a whole shit ton of comics that were not worth $4.
2: I totally agree. Um, yep.
0: Uh, so I've I've tried to maintain um, uh, I'm trying to maintain who I am in so much as fan first retailer first um, when writing comics and kind of let everything revolve around those kind of three core tenets.
2: Hmm. And and it does sound to me like you leave room in the creative process for that unforeseen that gentle nudge by you know reality like as you said with dr strange yeah you were feeling that way so you you channeled that into your your storytelling and and that that's a, a really neat way to do it just uh, because sometimes you can't plan for the the turn, twists yeah. and turns in in the story
0: no i mean and, and i learned that um in a really weird way i wrote two books back to back one was called buzzkill and then one was ghost fleet And I am right now three and a half years sober, but I was not when I wrote buzzkill and it took that year, that book being out for a while and me just one night drunkenly going and picking it up off my shelf and rereading it and being like, Oh, Hey dummy, this is you. Like you were writing about you. Mm -hmm. Like this was essentially you writing a letter to yourself and being like, Hey, you're an Mm -hmm. alcoholic. Like, fix yourself mm. and I literally I remember doing interviews when it was coming out and people asked me if I was in treatment and I would say nah man I'm just a dope writer and then <laughs> and then I went back and read it and I was like oh no you're not a dope writer you were just you were in trouble and that's the only way you could communicate right mm. and then on Ghost Fleet I had just lost a, a very good friend now, he didn't die I mean we had a huge falling out and then it wasn't until Ghost Fleet was over that I realized That when I I heard a reviewer talk about it, where they talked about how Ghost Fleet was about two friends that fell out, and Trace, the main character, was carrying around baggage in the form of the truck, and he was only able to forgive his friend and thus save the world when he literally got rid of that baggage. And I was like, I was like, I was like, holy shit! Mm. Really? That's, that's what that's about? And I, I, I literally was not tuned into that at all. I was like, I'm just going to do a big you know, popcorn summer thing. And so now with God Country, God Country was the first book that I was like, I want to talk about how I'm feeling right now and see if I can dive into that. And I found great success with, with that voice. And so I've tried to replicate that. Not replicated. I, that sounds like, like I'm trying to man, manufacture it, right? But like when there's an opportunity to inject some real world emotion and 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 maybe uh, some authenticity or some truth into the art, um, I try to as much as possible be um, aware of where I am emotionally when I'm writing something.
2: Well, it sure is working. Indeed, it <laughs> uh, is for
0: now. <laughs> Thank you. It, it is.
3: Man. Well, you leave. Well, listen. What's that?
2: I said, you'll evolve into something else. I mean, uh, from what we've seen, there's, there's really no ceiling with your stuff. It's, it's just... Uh, well, thank um, you, guys. Well, it's the truth. It's true. Well, yeah. well,
0: I have very good partners who make me look like I know what I'm doing. There we You're go. You're welcome.
3: Yeah. Um, so it is, uh, I believe, again, because I know that the book could use a little boost, uh, Venom number two, Final Order Cutoff, I think is what, next week?
1: Right, right, isn't that? Uh... Yeah, I think it's Monday, right?
3: There we go. So get those orders in because y'all, 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 you slacked on the first one. So let's pick it up.
1: Yeah, yeah,
3: um, a million.
1: Yeah, yeah, a
0: million.
3: A million. Um, you can also you can get, although most of it's gone already, but but issue two will be looming. You can get that beautiful, beautiful, sweet, sweet original artwork if you're into that scene, I don't know who, who is but I uh, heard some of you are uh, you can get Ryan's <laughs> art at FelixComicArt.com um, and also because um, as we've hinted, Donnie also writes a bunch of other books if I'm not mistaken, I think Volume 2 of Redneck comes out next week um, yeah,
0: that's right, yeah, yeah
3: Yep, and I think Volume 2 of Baby Teeth comes out next month so, uh, so everyone yeah. be on the lookout for that if you aren't picking up an issue, shame on you but you can rectify the Thanos wins trade,
0: I believe. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. You, no, go you ahead. broke up on me. Uh, the Thanos wins trade drops next month, too. Sorry.
3: There we go.
2: And so. don't forget come on, you guys, Cosmic Ghost Rider number one in this preview. All right. You got to pre order <laughs> this.
3: Very true. It's very true. Well, Most gentlemen, thank you so much for the time. Uh, Ryan, it was great having you back again. Yes, thank you. Donnie, it was great having you on for the first time, breaking your cherry. Hopefully yeah, it won't thank be you the guys. last. Oh boy. And thank you. uh enjoy the uh the rest of the, the Marvel retreat and uh we will uh we will speak to y'all soon.
0: Thanks, guys. Yeah, Thanks, be guys. Well. Thank you. All right, bye-bye.
3: Take care. Nice. So there you go. The definitive interview with the creators of Venom.
2: The only one worth listening to.
3: Well, that's for damn sure. Right? Dude, Redneck is so freaking good, man.
2: Yeah, I'm a little behind.
3: Dude, I was cracking up. Uh, Scotty was like, he's supposed to be hanging out with me right now. (laughs) I'm like, well, you know what? You're going to have to wait, dude.
2: You know, because it's all about Scotty. I know. What is going on?
3: I'm like, "Gods forbid uh, uh, your boy does something for his career and uh, helps us out in the process.
2: I was going to put him in the show notes, but I don't know if I should now. (laughs) <laughs> damn Scott, I, I wouldn't he's like a big teddy bear though i love him
3: yeah i got some shout outs do you got ya. time by the way Are you ready to talk about some books we got some
2: time sure
3: oh did you not want to
2: let's do it
3: um i got shout outs one um first of all i'm pretty sure i already shouted him out on this but he actually pinged me in a very polite way saying hey did you not get my my thing i sent you because so I'm going to assume if I did shout him out, he either missed it or I think I shouted him out and I didn't. So I'm just going to re-shout him out. And that's uh, Trevor Williams who uh, sent me dope coasters, uh, like drinking coasters. From it's um they're they're Larry David Kirby enthusiasm coasters, and they say, "Do you respect wood?" And uh, which is a line from one of the episodes but obviously a play on my name, and uh, they're fantastic. They're my new coasters. He sent them a couple of weeks ago, so if I didn't shout him out already... I did, did. Okay. I thought so, right? Yeah, But that's cool. But, but either way, hopefully he hears this one. Uh, and then a shout-out from this week, um, one of our, our very awesome patrons and uh, listener, uh, participant in our uh, unfortunately all too infrequent web, web uh, conference calls, uh, Mr. Vishal Rajani. He sent me um, a book, I believe it's it's French. Um, it's adaptation from a French bande dessenée, uh *Leviathan* by jeans Harder, J E N S H A R D um, E R. It is a book, and, and I admittedly haven't read it yet because I just got it. Um, but he he pinged me and said, "Hey, have you heard of this book?" And it was uh, on the cover is this beautifully rendered sperm whale, not dissimilar to say *Moby Dick*, but it's a uh, it's a sperm whale coming out of like an orange, almost fire like sea with a city on his back and a bunch of uh, military vehicles attacking him, and he said, "Hey, have you heard of this book?" And I had not. And uh, next thing I know, he he sent me a copy. So oh. first of all, thank you so much for that. You're the man. I will talk about the book for sure once I have a chance to read it because I haven't gotten a chance yet. But uh, it's absolutely breathtakingly beautiful, and it's about a, a giant whale, so you know it's up my alley. So much love to uh, to Vishal on that front. Do you uh, do you have any thank yous? I don't. Okay. Maybe next time. Maybe. Maybe. So, um, so what do you, uh, what what you read that floated your boat?
2: I read a lot of things. Um, Me too. It was a busy week. I feel like I got a lot done. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Do I want to go there? I was very, yeah, why not? Let's keep it a little real. I, I was, if you, uh listen to the show on a, on a regular basis, you know that I was very excited with The Curse of Brimstone, number one. Yes, yes you were. Number two didn't really float my boat. Okay. Yeah, I think, um, and, and it wasn't the art. Uh, Philip Tan turned in a, a nice performance. I thought that the story was a little wonky in the second issue. I'm hoping it's temporary. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe Justin Jordan was just maybe he's just setting things up, but it didn't really seem to to go anywhere or do anything. It just felt like issue 2 was treading water. And that early in the arc, I don't believe it's the time to to just run in place. Uh you have my attention with issue 1. You need to secure it with issue two and this didn't really do it, but I'm, I'm still on the book. I'm not going anywhere, but one of the things that I believe we're all reading, at least you and I is Barbarella from dynamite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm astounded how good this book is.
3: It is. It, it I go on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Cause I, I I'm astounded mainly because of who the publisher is. I feel like.
2: Well, I'm a bigger. Well, I'm I'm the only Dynamite Mark. Mm -hmm. Out of all out of all of us, Mm -hmm. I I think I get more books from Dynamite than pretty much any other publisher.
3: That that is stunning to me.
2: Yeah. Well, when you look at the list, uh, Red Sonia all the pulps, right? Red Sonia, Tarzan, Green Hornet. Um, Barbarella, uh, Mm -hmm. they don't, they haven't been doing a Vampirella, but now the Joseph Michael Linsner Linsner. um, Vampirella is coming out. Uh, I also get, um, anything Project Superpowers related. So yeah, Dynamite gets a lot of my money.
3: You basically buy the entirety of the, of the, of the, of the catalog.
2: No, that's, that's not true. I, I, I won't buy anything with Kiss in it because even though that they i i mean i in the past i have i think Mm -hmm. the kisses uh the psycho circus that came out of image is an awesome book only because angel medina you're not going to read a book illustrated by angel medina right right what world we live in but um the the king's watch that came out and the the uh with the Phantom and Flash Gordon and Prince Valiant, like oh my God, I I just I devoured those. Mm-hmm. I, I like a lot of what Diamond does with with the Spirit and My Greatest ad, or the Greatest Adventure. They tickle that warm and fuzzy spot for me v- very frequently, obviously. But I didn't expect much from Barbarella because. Dynamite's track record with female-centric titles other than Red Sonia and Vampirella has not r- really been all that great. I don't like Deja Thoris. Um, they tend to focus on things... on the superficial anatomy being one of them. Um, but when you when you have a female character in the lead obviously anatomy is i guess a big part of it and it's odd because barbarella is a book if if we go back to the origins with uh jean-claude Forrest, it was very sexualized it was very overt and there was there was nudity and and rampant yeah. for, you know fornication and that's not what this book is um, and that's
3: probably why you were loving it. And I'm thinking it's okay. Barbarella. Yeah. I, 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 it's the same reason I, I don't, I've never really like glommed on the vampy or, you know, a lot of these characters that you hold dear. I'm, I'm like, I'm of the mind, like either give it to me or don't, I, I don't like the, the, the titillation. Like, If you're going to give me a character that's an overtly sexual female protagonist and make her sexual, like, Mm. like, like have her, have her be DTF or just make her a heroine. That's not about her sexuality. I, I, uh, I guess I've never ever been, I've struggled with the idea of good girl uh, stories. I I just, I don't, I I, I want you either to make her about her sexuality or, or don't. The teasing has never
2: appealed to me. Well, i admire the creative team's restraint mm-hmm. because if there was ever a character that almost demanded yeah the the cheesecake and the titillation it's part i Lola. love the original
3: stuff uh hassan was kind enough to give me yeah that collected edition i believe put out by idw or maybe i think so um but uh, he, a couple of years ago he sent that to me as a uh, holiday present and uh i adored it i thought it was great
2: yeah it's great stuff um But this is written by Mike Carey. Mm -hmm. He of Lucifer and... um, Nice run on some X-Books. Yeah, Hellblazer. Mike Carey is a great writer. Mm -hmm. Um, A a thinking man, really. And Mm -hmm. uh, the artist is Kenan Yarar. Mm -hmm. Who is probably in in the arsenal of, of dynamite, one of their biggest guns. Because he's he straddles this line between indie and um, what could be the name we can call the average dynamite artist who who is competent but not extravagant. Like mm-hmm. I, I think um, Urar, he brings a nice underground feel to it, which is what dynamite needs i mean they have a lot of guys that go for the surface sheen there's none of that in barbarella this guy's drawing um he's he's creating alien races and machinery and starships and guns and and he's not he's not noodling he's drawing which is noodling is a lot of what the the, the dynamite stable does they'll just they'll make cool drawings at the expense of the story where i think urar serves the story but does it in a way where it feels like he is it, it feels natural and organic
3: yeah he's got that that really thin line weight uh with the hyper detail i mean it's it's very reminiscent of of uh of, of I don't want to say Mobius in the sense that but but no, remin- some, reminisc- yeah. yeah, yeah, but I mean, reminiscent of 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 French like bondus and a you know um that yes. like that hyper detailed but again very a very thin line like right. A
2: very right yeah. and and I think he's very inventive, very creative mm-hmm. um he doesn't do stock aliens, you know it's not let's dick with the nose like star trek um <laughs> it's it, I could say that Dap's not here uh, but um in this issue. Barbarella has to land. Which issue are we talking about? Six. Number five. Five. Wow. Yeah, number five. Um, remember, I'm once a month, so I, I didn't get six yet. Gotcha. Um, she has to land at a spaceport because her ship is on the fritz, and it's going to take some time to fix. So, so while she's waiting for her ship to be fixed, the the mechanic says, "You know, are are you going to uh, Van Neumann's world?" And she's like, "Why? Well." uh it it's it's akin to the old West and the gold rush there is um a rust deposit there Rust is an acronym that that stands for radically unstable space time and here 's the caption i mean this is a, this is just great radically unstable space time commonly abbreviated to rust is a category of Supra-dimensional plasma, which exists in an unresolved and superposed relationship to the normal and normative space-time of inhabited dimensions. Basically, you're dicking with time. So you can live forever. uh, Properly polarized and processed, it can be used to halt or reverse temporal flow or to create hyper-dimensional... Frames within which moments of time can be contained and replayed. So the the galaxy is, is fl- freaking out. This is a get-rich-quick scheme. You, you go there, you harvest this rust, and you never have to work again for the rest of your life. And your life is now infinite. Because you can employ these pockets of, of rust to... Extend your life indefinitely. So Barbarella has no interest in this, none at all, until she's visited by a ghost, a ghost um, named Seku, which wish, she seems to have history with this this, yeah. this young man. And he was extremely infatuated with her. 14-year-old. 14-year-old, yeah. Mm-hmm. Extremely infatuated with her. And now when when the ghost comes to her, she's in her bedchamber. She is so tired. She's in this hotel, this cool revolving hotel. It looks like a circus uh um a uh a car not a carousel, a uh like a big wheel. You know, and um the rooms revolve. It's it's really cool. Um and she's in this very sheer gossamer type fabric that leaves very little to the imagination and it's the first instance of this in the book like they haven't really pressed the button on the 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 sexualization until this issue but you really don't see anything i mean you see the outline of her, her shape and but you do that you see that when she's in her jumpsuit her her spacesuit so it's it's nothing new but the, the ghost tells her a lot of cryptic information that she can't process because she doesn't have a frame of reference. He's like, "When you go to this place, do this at exactly this time." And she's like, "I don't know, you know, whatever." Uh, so he tells her it's very important that she goes to Van Neumann's world. And so she does. And she gets embroiled in this there there's there are are space rednecks who have staked a claim on land that they have no right to stake a claim on. And um shit hits the fan and we get a lot of playing around with time time bubbles uh barbarella meets um a scientist who who's studying the anomaly and i i just i lost myself in this issue. I thought it was phenomenal you know your mileage may vary, but this is the kind of really smart sci fi with attractive protagonist that that i enjoy i mean it's not there there are no crotch shots or in your face overt um you know tna it's there if you want it but it's not shoved Mm -hmm. you know under your nose and yeah like she's in the scene
3: you're talking about where she's talking to seku i mean she's in a negligee
2: yeah
3: but it could have been far more revealing oh sure uh, yeah i mean
2: this is a mature reader's book too and I think there was only one instance of nudity in the in the five issues that I've read, and that was back when Barbarella was was with the uh, I forget her name, that 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 punky um, yeah, yeah yeah accomplice it, that was you know helping her out. There
3: was another one I think in issue four where she was getting stitched up, and, and her, yeah. her breasts
2: are showing, but right, yeah. but it wasn't sex. It was, it was no, she's being no, operated no. on, right, right, right yeah, yeah, which again atypical for both this character and this, this genre. Um, yeah. I, mean, I know I
3: said that I, I, I struggle with these books uh, because they're not sexual, but I will say that, um, that, that with that said, I, I do think this book, while I probably would love it if, if she was DTF, I, I do think it's a good book. I, I think it's, and it is, like you said, because of the art, I think the artist is, is uh, sufficiently um, high quality and different than a lot of the other art I see right now in my monthly pull list that yeah. uh yeah. that, that it, it's uh, the titillation's fine
2: yeah to quote donny cates um this is one book that is worth or to paraphrase him uh four bucks to me anyway uh-huh. yeah i i'm i'm enjoying this greatly and the 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 covers i mean it is dynamite so you get a, a variety of of variant covers but the the, the covers on um the issue five mm-hmm. was uh, Pete Woods, Marco D'Alfonso, uh Mike Caluda, and mm-hmm. Flavio mm-hmm. Dispenza, Maria Sinopo, and uh, yeah, Ceci De La Cruz, and there was uh, Keenan Yurar and Mohan did a, did a cover. So you have six, five, five different flavors to choose from, and I struggle with the, with the. Uh, variant covers because they're all really good. All these covers have been great, mm-hmm. so um, I mean I'm loving it. Maria Sinopo, we're going to be saying her name a lot once that unnatural comes out from Image.
3: Uh, that's Mirka Andolfo, but
2: oh, did I really?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All right, we'll be saying Mirka Andolfo's name. <laughs>
3: <a lot. laughs> uh, they are per- they are friends with each other, and they're both Italian female cartoonist but well, that's it's... why i mixed it up
2: there we go yes yes so there you go barbarella uh, check it out nice you may, you may be surprised
3: uh, nice so um i think i'm the only one that stuck with this um which is batman the white knight
2: yeah you do you are
3: written and drawn by Mr. sean murphy uh with matt hollingsworth on colors and todd klein on letters um, but it's been four or five issues since I even spoke about it. Um, uh, you know, it wrapped up, so, yeah, so I it's, heard it's all done now. Um, I I probably did, did myself in the book a disservice by listening to a long-form podcast interview that Sean did on another show um, at the outset of this book. And uh, Sean does not lack confidence, shall we say? And he really, really played this book up, it, it, and not to say that any creator isn't going to be proud of what they're doing, but I mean, he positioned this as sort of the kind of thing where it was going to go down in the pantheon of great Batman stories, and um, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to bring us down, but I, I don't, I don't think he hit that mark. Hmm. Um, now, now visually he 's phenomenal the, the book the book looks incredible as yeah, does everything's very good, yeah, as does everything that he draws um, but I think like with with many artists that start writing um, he he needs more seasoning I, I think to whatever extent he thought this book or positioned this book to be groundbreaking, I found it to be. Anything but if, if not, just the opposite. Mm. It's it's basically an Elseworlds tale where the Joker becomes sane um, through a pill. He takes a pill at first accidentally, but he ends up taking a pill that makes him sane, and so then he keeps taking the pill and becomes a a pillar of Gotham. And uh, the more. Sane and and uh, upstanding, he becomes the the more Batman and is is exposed for the nut job that he is, and um, I I I think that's a compelling idea because I I do think Batman is a nut job, right? I think he, sure. I think it's um, and the more Batman gets frustrated by, by the fact that uh, his nar- nemesis is seemingly no longer his nemesis, um, and all that's fine and dandy, and and I don't think that the the book was bad by any stretch, but when it wrapped up i was sort of like okay yeah like i get you i saw that coming right. makes sense it's not illogical the way he did it but it was almost too logical right you know what i mean it 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 was it was it followed the the the, net, the direction it seemed like it should have followed right so uh i think it will stand the test of time because it, it does look great and there's a huge Murphy has a huge following. I think it'll be all collected in a beautiful hardcover. No doubt. Uh, I, I think based on the deal he has with DC, he may even get an absolute out of it. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, And, and as an Elsewhere's tale, it's, it's cool. It's cool. It's not, it's not, there there were things about it that I thought were entertaining for sure. Um, But it's, it is not; uh, it's not a classic, and I do think, unfortunately, for him, and he would have no way of knowing this, nor nor should he have had any thought about this. I think that this doesn't um, this doesn't hold up versus the other Batman books that are on the stands presently,
2: especially when your competition is Tom King. Yeah, and, right,
3: and, and exactly, I think Tom is doing what. Friend or not, what I think will be remembered is, is one of the seminal modern runs on Batman. Um,
2: For real, yeah.
3: And, and and also Schneider is still doing his thing on All-Star uh, and you've got uh, Marini doing his thing on his own um, limited series, the Italian adaptation. Uh, I just think there's a lot of great Batman stories out there right now. Mm-hmm. And that's to say nothing of Detective, which admittedly I'm a bit behind on but everything I've read of the runs since they uh... Since the, the new the new relaunch has been terrific. So I just think um it's it's getting drowned out and um it 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 didn't it it was good, it wasn't great. And I don't know that it was that memorable. Right. When all is said and done.
2: Murphy for me is the poster child for my struggle to separate the artist from their artwork. Okay or or separate the artist from their creations let's just say because it mm-hmm. applies to writers too and and filmmakers and and musicians and i i don't like to get too deep into the personality of a lot of of people i i whose work i enjoy because more often than not sometimes when you you finally get a glimpse into the the people behind it you 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 really don't well at least me mm-hmm. they're they're really not someone that i would enjoy hanging around with you know and and for murphy i follow him um or i don't follow him on twitter but occasionally someone will retweet something that that he had said or or did and i a lot of the times i'm like act like you've been there buddy you know like Self-promotion is, is wonderful, and it's necessary for creative types. But there's a point when self-promotion goes too far, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's, it's masturbation. Like, uh, one of the guys in my Twitter feed retweeted um, a recent post by Murphy where he's like, look at this panel from Batman White Knight. Do you see what I did here? Do you see the storytelling? Mm-hmm. Look what I did. I put an angel and a devil on on napier's shoulders did did you catch this you're asking your audience mm-hmm. if 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 they are in on the subtleties or the perceived subtleties of what you right, tried right. to inject into the work and it's like the fact that no one pointed it out means either they did get it and didn't think it was noteworthy enough to to comment upon or no one got it which is even worse right mm-hmm. and and he 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 went over in in very quickly in you know whatever maybe photoshop he drew a halo and wings around the harley which is on the one side and then in the background i don't even know what character it is he put devil horns and a devil tail on it the two characters don't look like an angel and a devil other than one is fair and one is dark mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the to draw that line between the classic good and evil struggle on your shoulders. It's, it's a stretch. Right. But obviously he didn't think that, but the fact that he shoved it under people's noses and said, look what I did. Right. Aren't I great? Like that to me. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm really not in the mood to share a beer with you. You know,
3: you're getting into the same. I was trying to be a little more delicate, but, but uh, since you went there, I remember when, when seeing this interview, he was, just so proud of how he had negotiated this insane financial deal to do this book and that he had committed to doing his own creator own work and was done with DC. And essentially he portrayed it where he played hard to get and, and asked for uh, a financial remuneration package that was so over the top that he told them, he assumed they would tell him to go screw himself. And according to him, they came back and said, you've got it. So he, he said, okay, well then I'll do the book. And then he went on to say, so I sought out to make a book that would stand up to Frank Miller, Dark Knight. And I thought, man, you know, you, you, even even if the book is phenomenal, you, you have set the bar. I mean, I know, I know we bust on you about Frank Miller, but let's be honest. You, 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 To your point, if you're going to compare something that hasn't even been written yet, or at least we haven't read it yet, to what most would consider the seminal Batman work of modern times, uh, it's it's just... It's, an inv- it's inviting a comparison that you almost cannot win. Right, right.
2: You, no, you, and it, it's not for you to win. Because, that's right. That is something
3: for the fandom right. and the test of time yes. to say where you stand, right? It's out of um, your hands once you produce right. and it. And so,
2: perception. To your point, and that,
3: yeah, exactly. And that's why I said, like, wh- that's why when I started my commentary, I thought maybe it's as much my fault because by hearing him say that in an interview before I read the book, I went inside. I, you know, I went yeah, in yeah, saying, sure. okay, dude, you're going to, you're telling me this is going to stand up to dark night in 20 years. Well, I'm expecting you to bring it. Yep. And that's why I say, I think in a vacuum, if this just, if this is by Joe Smith, new writer drawn by some other artist, new artist. And I read it. I thought I would have probably said, Oh, it's, it's a pretty cool story. It's, it's a nifty choker story. Right. Um, but because the expectations set by him, though, which is why I'm not sure it doesn't deserve criticism, um, it's not as though others made me have high expectations or I put them on myself. He set the, he set the ground rules here right, by right. saying this was going to be special. Um, it just it wasn't, to my mind, particularly special. And again, it wasn't bad. Uh, I know lots of our listeners are adoring it. Uh, he has a fandom, particularly when it comes to his art, that is uh, fervent. Sure. Uh, I would say he... There, there is a, a group of people who, artistically, I think, think of him as top of the craft of the generation. Um, some subset of the of the fandom think that. And 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 let me be clear again. I have I, I think his art is fantastic. I, I,
2: same, same.
3: So so I'm not I'm not dismerging his artistic storytelling abilities. But I, I just I, I I think he would have been better to have just let the story stand on its own and let us decide how yeah. how it stands
2: up the the writer artist package is it's it's a there's a delicate balance between, right. uh, be, between the 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 artist saying okay I love drawing giant spaceships mm-hmm. and the writer saying you know but this scene doesn't call for a giant spaceship mm-hmm. w- whether or not you want to draw it is irrelevant what serves the story and and there are guys that can or or wear both hats like Frank Miller, Walt Simonson, um I mean you can go down the list, you know th- th- there have been phenomenal uh writer artists Mike Mignola um but I don't think
3: Lemire, can
2: Sure, sure. B- mm-hmm. But I I don't Got think it. I I don't Scotty, I don't think that Murphy has enough writing has enough storytelling under his belt to to wear both of them right Mm -hmm. now yeah visually sure he's he's great um i don't think he's top of the craft but he's great um i thought the wake was visually better than the narrative called for i mean because i thought it was kind of uh, as a story i thought the wake was kind of bland but visually i mean murphy was the 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 push that kept me that propelled me through the series mm-hmm. whereas um and, and and um Joe the Barbarian you have Grant Morrison writing a great story and Murphy really killed it on the art and so it worked as this complete package where i got the sense from the first issue of White Knight that it was all all visuals and really not a whole lot of of you know i don't think the storytelling in the first issue was that revolutionary it it was pretty but there's a lot of guys that do pretty right
3: right you know this was closer if we're going to try and compare it to other major batman stories that got absolute treatment over time this to me was closer to hush in that hush I personally don't think there's much of a story there. Same. I think Hush was an opportunity for Jim Lee to draw Jim Lee seminal splash pin-up pages for every Bat character
2: Sure, ever. sure. It's like The Long Halloween. Absolutely. You, Do you, uh, you think The Long Halloween is a great story? It's okay, right. but it's right. just like, I'm going to put everybody that's ever right. been in a Bat book in this book, just so Tim Sale can draw this shit.
3: Right. I, I think it it fits more in that in that it is an artistic showcase it is murphy putting his mark on the batman universe and every every artist probably wants that opportunity and that's totally cool yeah my man you got to tell me <laughs> about your love for season of the
2: snake no not without david nope 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 no. Oh! Oh! Okay. Yeah, because we—that was something we all decided we were going to read. I will tell you. I will extol the virtues of *Season of the Stake* at length. At Snake. Respect at, respect. at length, but David want, David read it. I don't want to it. He did read it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I um, will tell you though mm-hmm. about my love. We already know this. So this is nothing new. My, my love for *Planet of the Apes*. Not nothing new. That's true. No, it's not. But. Um, I read Planet of the Apes Ursus. Are you reading this (laughs) miniseries? No. Uh, All right. All right. But the majority of it is drawn by Chris Mooneyham.
3: Oh, no, dude, it, it is like
2: Felix's ears must be
3: burning. Every book we've talked about tonight, uh, except for the aforementioned white knight is a Felix artist book. Mooneyham's another Felix. guy.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it the, you know, there's a there's a Wayback Machine. A lot of guys, not many guys, have the key to that Wayback Machine. For me, Mooneyham is one of them. Five of us. Yeah, his stuff reeks in a good way. It's a smell that I just can't stop inhaling. It reeks of the Bronze Age, and and whenever we mention Mooneyham, we say he's equal parts Albasema. John Busima inked by Klaus Janssen. That's what yeah, man. that's what Mooneyham looks like to me.
3: As soon as you said his name, as soon as you said those the first the first thing that popped into my, my brain cavity was Sal Buscema.
2: Yeah. Um I mean and it's I, I think it's a very apt um mm-hmm. comparison, right? Um but and so this thing is written by David Walker and uh Chris Mooneyham does the art. Uh covers there's a bunch of covers, Paula Rivera does mm-hmm. does a few um but it's so so you're you're looking through the apes universe through the eyes of of the villain the big bad ursus and if you go just by the movies you know ursus just hates humans just hates them cuz they're humans he he, he he has a um his his guiding force in life is to exterminate humans doesn't trust him doesn't mm-hmm. like them. when 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 taylor and crew pop up and and start and they speak holy shit his his entire worldview is shattered this the lawgiver this is not within the book I mean this uh, this makes no sense does not compute and so he just freaks out and goes on this blood rage and just tries to you know exterminate these things and he's afraid of them because they, they they don't fit within his worldview. They're they're alien. Is something that should not be, and yet they are. So he freaks out. Um, but in in this series, you get a glimpse as to why he's like he he, he has adopted the 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 things he's the, the worldview he has. Um, he was uh, adopted or or raised by a surrogate father. And and the father was a, every cell in this, this Simeon's body, he's a racist and he imparted his beliefs onto Ursus. But Ursus is smart enough where if he didn't see, um, if he didn't encounter data backing up the surrogate father's claims, he wouldn't have believed him, but it just so happens that these humans rampage through um these ape villages and and they just kill they kill and and, and they eat and they they uh so ursus sees this and he starts to develop this hatred for humans and then he gets he gets close to uh, a f- a female and it doesn't end well and then when when taylor and company come um and he 's he so he's he's pissed off that uh the love of his life is gone he'll never find another um and he uses the humans to as as a an outlet for his rage over that uh he rages at the fact that everything he's been taught to believe may or may not be true mm. you know the 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 guiding force in in ape culture is the lawgiver the lawgiver maybe not maybe he wasn't right. You know, it, and it, this is just a phenomenal series. Um, it's published by Boom.
3: They seem to have a handle on on the apes,
2: and the quality never falters. Mm-hmm. It, it's always, re- I mean, uh, Mike Allred does a cover for one of the issues. I mean, and uh, we're going back to the the, the uh, Gabriel Hardman and, and Karina Becko. I mean, the the, the apes and,
3: and Mark Laming.
2: And Carlos, Carlos Mano. I mean, the oh, yeah. the, the Apes series, they've been in good hands from the get-go. And this is just... Or the Gabriel get-go. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But but this is just another instance where... Boom, has it going on with Planet of the Apes. These books are great. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not caught up on Kong on the Planet of the Apes, which I believe is drawn by Carlos Mano. So, I mean, if it says Planet of the Apes on the cover... I will buy it but this is not an instance where I'm throwing my money at something just because I love what it could be not what it is. I sure. love the these books are great. They they they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. amazing. And um Ham does the flashback sequences in like a a, a pastelli uh style on textured paper mm-hmm. where where the present is in traditional Uh, brush pen and ink and it's oh man he's so freaking good he's amazing and he is Mooneyham is taking over oh what book I believe it's a DC book oh yeah yeah um, you could google it Mooneyham DC it may be Grayson okay I don't know I don't know but I, I know Mooneyham after this is over he's he's um, going to one of the big two, which is is awesome because I think the guy Nightwing. Nightwing. Well, there we go. Uh, Grayson's done. Why didn't, yeah, I knew that. Um, slip of the slip of the brain, but um, Mooneyham is long overdue to, to, I agree, to crack into something really big. Mm hmm. Yeah.
3: I, I just want to take a moment, uh, just full circle here to, um, follow up on the praise I gave to Donnie while he was on the, on the show uh, for redneck. Um, as I alluded, it's, it's basically Hatfields and the McCoys meet vampires.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, in the first arc, which I discussed, uh, when it came out, basically there's a, a, a family of, of, of vampires set in, uh, in, in the deep in the heart of Texas. And, uh, they're living an innocuous life. They're, they're trying to live among people. They don't, uh, they don't eat uh, um, human blood you know they're they're trying to sort of live that right life um, vampi did mul- that for a while yeah there's multiple generations um, there's a patriarch and um, like any though good country boys his sons are prone to shenanigans and they have a long standing feud with uh, another family and uh, things just go wrong um, in the first arc that, that lead to all hell breaking loose, essentially, and and forcing them to uh, to to leave in exile from their town that they had been in for a couple decades. And this picks up uh, the second arc picks up um, eight months later, and they are uh, down in Waco, oh, uh, hiding out because Waco is essentially there's lots of un- uninhabited parts of Waco now ever since the um, Branch Meridian massacre and uh they're hanging out they're hiding out basically not uh, sh- not coming to the surface. They have two familiars who are uh going and going out hunting to bring them back animals to feed on um but the twist is that uh they're the Bowman family I should mention as well. The twist is their their arch nemesis family during the dust up in the first arc they uh they accidentally uh fathered, sired one of uh one of their rival family members, and so they they have to bring him along with them as their new their new family member. And um in the second arc it's it's clear that uh that blood isn't thicker than blood. He he still views himself as 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 a member of the other family. He still hates the Bowman's. He's a God fearing man and talk about the dichotomy of being a god fearing vampire. And he's also an inexperienced vampire, and so you know Vince from Vampire Lore, the way you create other vampires is by bleeding a human completely. Mm-hmm. Um so in this book they're very careful to teach these new vampires to not do that, to just to, to bleed uh to, to bleed them a little bit and not, not kill them because then you've got another mouth to feed. Well, the their new ward is essentially an abject failure at that and he ends up siring a whole mess of new vampires. And, uh, they, they form somewhat of a coven. And, uh, so it's, it's another battle here that the, the Bowmans are yet again, not safe. They, um, we, we learned the backstory of both of their familiars, uh, which is fascinating. Uh, and, um, it's, it's just, it's terrific. It's, it's a hard thing to, to make care about, uh, characters that are essentially innately evil, but, but I think Donnie does that. Uh, Lissandro, uh, Esterin is the, is the artist. His style is very scratchy to me. It's, uh, not dissimilar to Riley Rossmo from, let's say 10 years ago, mm. more the proof. Yeah. Riley right. Rossmo than the, what we've seen lately. Um, which I think works well for this kind of book. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a terrific yarn, man. they, they uh, they have a little girl that's a part of their family and she's really at the heart of the second arc because we find out her origin story and that uh, and the very tragic nature of how she came to be. Uh, and because she was made as a baby, she's imbued with an incredible amount of power, including telepathy and the ability to control other people, control humans. And she goes on a rampage, showing that off in its full force and i think uh the the visuals of her putting everybody into a psychically induced rage is uh stunning uh so it's 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 a it's a really terrific series and i I don't think it's a huge seller. I don't hear many people talking about it but um as Donnie alluded, he thinks it's the hardest series that he writes right now but uh but I was stoked for him to say that he's already written a threat issue twenty one because that means we're getting at least another two arcs from what we've gotten so far um but uh it's 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 definitely worth your attention uh, if you're into the vampire scene at all, which I certainly am.
2: I'm gonna have to get caught up on that.
3: Yeah, it's really good, man. I I have. It's a quick read too. I I mean, I read the, I read the last I had read through issue seven, and I read eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve today in probably an hour. So, it's it's a fast read. Hmm.
2: On it. Good. Yeah, I get caught up. And you False. know we what? Okay. No. I was, it,
3: say, I was gonna say we are one month away, <laughs> as we record from Heroes.
2: <laughs> I can't wait. I oh, no. I needs it so bad. Oof. And us too.
3: Can't wait to drug you up like B. A. Baracus and get you on that plane.
2: Well, you're gonna have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it's a short flight. Isn't it? Uh, yes, indeed. Are you lying to me, dude? No. Was it? it's like an hour and a half?
3: Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, shit.
2: It is two hours, five minutes. I can deal with that, I guess.
3: Dude, two cocktails. We'll have a cocktail or two before we get on the plane. Yeah, at 30,000 feet. No, before we get on the plane. <sighs> okay. Then
2: we'll have a cocktail or two on the plane. So I'll die giddy. Okay. Oh, please. <laughs> and you're, you more know
3: what... likely, you're more likely to die driving... 20 hours across country like we do normally. It's true. Half falling asleep at <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning. So.
2: Oh, I think the side of the road's coming up. Yep, that's what it was. Uh, and you know where, who else will make you giddy? Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com, where you can get all your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door. Hey, it's my books. For a fraction of the cover price, the specials mm-hmm. that we've selected for you this month are from IDW. It is the Transformers Unicron, number one of six, The End Is Nigh, written by James Roberts, art by the great Alex Milney. Cover price on this is $4.99. <sharp inhale> uh, I know, I know. But you're not going to pay that because you're super smart. You're going to get it for $2.49 from DCBService.com. From DC, the undisputed heavyweight champion, Of the Shared Universe crossover books is Freddie Williams the third. No doubt about it. And he's teaming with James Tinyon the the fourth. It's Freddie Williams the the second, right? It's Freddie Williams and James Tinyon. Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, going around again. Cover price. This is the collected edition, so it's twenty four ninety nine. Hardcover. You can get it for twelve dollars and forty nine cents. And last but not least, some guy you just heard is writing a book called Cosmic Ghost Rider, number one of five, by Donnie Cates and Dylan Burnett. Jeff Shaw did the cover, $1.99, get out of town, dcbservice.com, go there. I know, in your travels, that Jason's reading this book. I don't know about that, but um, it is... Visually, it's a contender for the best-looking book every month. Written by Ivan Brandon. Art by Asad Ribic. Color art by Nick Klein. From Image, it is versus. Yes, it is. And it is incredible. It is a story... Of a man named Sata Flynn. He's an aging soldier who is uh, involved in a mass marketed, hyper-commercialized broadcast gladiatorial combat show. And uh, it's basically last man standing or last team standing. And uh, he's. He's very, very good at what he does. He's the, the highest rated of the uh, combatants. But he's getting up there in age. And the, uh, the replacement parts aren't working so great. And um, he kind of fucks up. But, much to his amazement, uh, after his sponsors drop him, his, his ratings go up even higher. And he doesn't understand it. And Major Devi, a female um, in the games, doesn't understand it either. She thinks she's better than him. She's she's more adept. She's younger. She's a better fighter. She's a better tactician. She survives longer. She helps him in the games, and yet she doesn't get the glory like Sada Flynn does. But I mean, the story is 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 good. It's compelling, but the real draw here my god ribix art i mean this is this book is gorgeous it is it is just phenomenally illustrated intricate detail um it seems like the the pre-production phase of this series must have gone on forever because nothing is is just standardized it 's not standard mm-hmm. spaceships or weaponry it's just everything is designed to the nth degree the people the costumes the mm-hmm. the the architecture the the spaceships it's just amazing and and I want more of it and it just seems like the issues go and they're wordy bitches i mean there's right. well, not the first issue but uh, subsequent issues there's a lot of dialogue there's a lot of um pop up video style advertisements in it to to really push the the fact that this these games are are mass marketed like everybody's watching them and drug companies are advertising it's 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 a phenomenal book the the covers look unlike anything on the stands uh it's a joy every month to just dive into this world and so if you're not reading verses Third issue, uh, fourth issue, I think is out. Um, you best get on it because it's it's really special. And there's a there's a broccoli-headed person in it. That's amazing. Yeah, the um, she's cute, but she's got broccoli uh, on her on her head.
3: ribbick is on the short list of of artists I don't have something from that I very much would like
2: something from. Ooh, you don't have a ribbick? No, no. That's strange, right?
3: Yeah. Uh, in your travels, let's keep the Marvel theme and uh, go with Avengers issue number two.
4: Ooh.
3: Of uh, of the new series written by Jason Aaron, pencils by Ed McGuinness with inks by Mr. Mark Morales. Uh. We are uh, we're two issues into the reboot, and no surprise, Jason knows what the hell he's doing. He's he's getting back to what makes the Avengers great, which is the Trinity, and then a supporting cast of familiar and new characters. Which is, I think, just the right about. That's just the right way to do uh, the Avengers. You, you you take you take those three guys, which is Thor, Cap, and Iron Man. You bring them back together. You give them a couple classic characters like Black Panther and Captain Marvel. You get some other ancillary but repeat Avengers characters like She-Hulk and Doctor Strange. And then you throw in new characters like, well, new to the Avengers, like uh, like Ghost Rider, the, the new Ghost Rider. Um, and and you, you get a compelling team. And uh, McGinnis is great at this over-the-top action stuff and basically we're finding out that there are such a thing as the dark host of Celestials, uh, basically evil Celestials and, uh, and why not? Right. And why not? And, and that's, uh, it is up to the, uh, it is up to this group of Avengers to defeat the, the final host of dark Celestials. And in keeping with the, uh, history of the Avengers title, I won't say who, although it does say so in the solicit version number two, if you're that worried about being spoiled, but but the, the puppet master of the dark host of Celestials, or of the final host of the dark Celestials, is a villain that is synonymous with the Avengers origins. So we're, he's bringing it all back to the roots. Nice. Yes. I'm being vague, but anyone that's with Avengers history, probably can guess what I'm talking about. Yeah. Or if you if you read the solicit, because it is in the solicit. But either way, um, it's off to a rock and start. I love the lineup. Um, uh, outside of of Ghost Rider, who I don't have much of an affinity for. Love the rest of the team.
2: But Aaron, and I does don't, I don't,
3: Aaron I don't dislike affinity. Ghost Rider. But but yeah, I love yeah. the rest of this team. Um, so and, and as you noted, these are all characters uh, for the most part that Aaron has had a a, a, a lot oh. of experience writing.
2: Yeah.
3: So yeah.
2: I'm guessing he's gonna bring the orb back as a as a, <laughs> a major Avengers villain. That would be great. That would be great. He does love the orb too.
3: By the way, how cool is it in, in Donnie Stano's uh run having the Silver Surfer as a a dark being?
2: Yeah, I was gonna go there too, but I don't know if I should spoil it because I think that's a big reveal.
1: In oh, that it, okay. that
2: That's a big wow moment, but suffice to say, if you haven't read Donny Cates and, and Jeff Shaw's Thanos run, uh, issue 13 to 18, you really need to read it because, you know, like Dark Knight, I I hope mm-hmm. this is the future of the Marvel Universe.
3: Yeah, I will say, too, that uh, I know you compared Jeff's run, 12-issue run, to Donny's six-issue run. Um, I I think it's important to remind ourselves that this is a visual medium because Donnie was playing with a stack deck in that comparison,
4: and
2: uh,
3: that he had Jeff Shaw,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and and Jeff had Diadato, who I know has his fans. So your mileage I, may vary.
2: Yeah, I think he did a, a decent job on it. I, mm. I I no, I do. I think um,
3: I I think the Black Order never looked worse. I've seen the black order drawn by lots of other, well, not lots, but a handful of other artists, Jim Chung atop them. And I think that this is the worst rendition of the black order, but, but I'll give you Diodato, but that's what I was going to say he had Diodato for the first six issues. And then he got, uh, Hermann Peralta for the last, for seven through 12. And, uh, it was inconsistent. Peralta's art was very inconsistent, especially with anatomy. So I think that, uh, Donnie just, just, was dealt a few pocket aces there with Jeff Shaw.
2: Right, but I, I'm I'm not going to rescind my comment. I think the the concepts that Donnie brought to Thanos were more. They were they were big. Mm-hmm. They were gut punches, and and they uh, w- I'm not going to argue that. Yeah.
3: I'm not going to argue that. But I, I think that um, that you take. I'm not saying this is apples to apples from a story perspective, but I am saying that if it was apples to apples, it still would have felt to me like Donnie had the better run because he had a more visually compelling partner. Sure. That's all.
2: Yeah, that's You it. know, Jeff's
3: my boy. I, I, don't, wanna, I, don't, I don't want know, to, I don't know. I'm not, i
2: am not i am not pooping on Jeff. I mean, his, his run was, was a lot of fun. And, and, um, I think he did what he wanted, he set out to do. He deconstructed Thanos and he he broke him down and built him back up. So Mm -hmm. he he basically left the character intact. It was was a reset button, which is great. But man, I mean, you give me a a possible future where everybody dies and then you show how they die. (laughs) And the Hulk is a dog. I mean, it's just great. Uh, whatever uh, it, it's it's imagineering right it re- is. Re- reconstru- deconstructing and then reconstructing all this stuff in the Marvel universe that we loved for so long into a possible future that you don't necessarily want to see happen but it would be kind of cool if it did you know
3: and it, it even if you're the conqueror of the known universe none of it matters unless no. you have a good, the love of a good woman by your side
2: it's true, and she didn't have a skull face, which was really nice.
3: Love it. Although I thought that throughout the entire run, her non-skull depiction was a little too close to death from Sandman. No,
2: maybe it was the facial markings that did it. For yeah, her. yeah, and mm-hmm. she she was a a raven haired. Beauty, so mm-hmm. uh, maybe that was uh, Donnie's little tip of the hat to, to Gaiman. I don't well,
3: know. Well, no, because she looked like that in the Lemire run, too. So I don't know if that's Marvel's new style guide for her or whatever. But
2: It's kind of cool.
3: Oh, I'd rather see a, a fine brunette than a skull face, that's for sure.
2: Yep, or a ginger. She could be a ginger. It'd be nice. Mm. Mm. Hey everybody! Thank you for being here with us once again. You bet your bottom dollar that DAP will be back next episode. We don't know when it's going to be, but we we got to kick out a couple more mm-hmm. this, this month. So um, just stay tuned. And big celestial size kudos to David for finally fixing the iTunes problem.
3: Oh my God! Yes, frustrating yes. as
2: hell. And and you give DAP a problem and he'll come back with a solution, and and he did. Yes. And uh, we are again in his debt. So good going, David. Um, hope that stuff gets all worked out soon, so uh, you mm-hmm. can be uh, where you belong, and that's here with us. Mm-hmm. So service dot com. Go there. Go to our Facebook page. Um, join us on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash one C O M I C S. Lots of fun going on there. Twitter, all that stuff. We're everywhere. All of that. Yeah. You know why? Because we love you.
4: Oh, so much.
2: Yes. Come back next week. Say goodnight, Jason.
3: Good night, Jason. There you go.
2: Bye.